Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. At Sif Pop, we're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writers, Jonathan. Hi, everyone. And Jacob. Hey, what's going on? Jonathan, Jacob, new writers, are new to the show. Welcome, guys. Um, relatively new writers for Civ Pop as well. Uh, but we write for SivPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, lots of other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you go check out the website, SivPop.com. Keep up with all of that. And uh, on the podcast today, on the show, we're going to be specifically talking about a coming attraction. A uh, So three movies coming out. We got The Bad Guys, a new animated film, The Northman, new Robert Eggers film, and The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, the most Nick Cage movie to ever Nick Cage. Uh, we'll talk about them, give our thoughts on it before that comes out, um, on, on how we're feeling about it. We'll move on to the SIF topic when we're done with that. We'll catch up on some, um, since it's the third Wednesday of the month. Uh, and then we'll do a B-plot, which is going to be TV shows that are better to watch part of rather than the whole. And, of course, we'll wrap up with a spinoff. But first, let's get a chance to know our writers this week. Like I said, it's both of your guys' first time on the show. Um, Jacob, let's start with you. I want to know, like, when did you realize that movies are kind of your thing? Um, you know, probably since I was a kid. Um, it's actually uh, a funny family story. My, I s- said to my family, you know, my first job, I wanted to be a director. So I've actually moved away from that now, but I, I've always I, I've always enjoyed them. You know, it's like to me, movies can serve so many different purposes. If you're feeling sad, or if you or if you're bored, or if you just need to connect with something, and you know, I they've just always been there for me. Yeah, and, you know, I uh, connect uh, movies with a lot of my uh, relationships. You know. A lot of my friends are movie nerds, so we even go back to like elementary school. So that's uh, it's just something that's always uh, been there for me, and yeah, I, I you, love it being my thing. Do you have a favorite movie? And then if if so, like what specifically makes that movie beyond excellent? It's a loaded question, Aaron. Yeah, it really is. I've been moving around my uh, flick chart rankings a little bit the last couple of weeks, but uh, I've landed on Pulp Fiction. Okay, number one. You know, it's that's just. Not a bad pick. I'm yeah I I uh, I love a good screenplay. I'm a really big Tarantino fan. Uh, you've got a lot of great performances in that movie. Obviously, um, I'm also a, somewhat of an actor as an aspiring actor. I would say so. Okay. Performances are really important to me in a movie. Like if you sure. can I, you can watch uh, you know there's a lot of good examples of movies with great performances that aren't you know good as a whole. And I love those movies just because that performance alone can really even if it's not carried throughout the whole movie for uh for the whole time it's like a good performance can really bring me in but um yeah uh, the music in pulp fiction obviously is incredible mm-hmm. introduced me to a lot of genres really and artists and yeah it's one of those that i can watch over and over and over and over and never get tired of cuz it's like i always um struggle between best movie and favorite movie sure 
But if I had to go favorite, it would be that one. Yeah, favorite's the way to go. Favorite's the way. Um, yeah, best is subjective, I suppose. I mean, they're both subjective, yeah. but favorite tells more about a person. Uh, yeah. Jonathan, let's switch over to you a little bit. Kind of when did you realize that you're a movie guy? Um, Like Jacob, uh, you know, when I when I was a kid, I think the first movie I've ever saw in the theaters was Jurassic Park. Um, nice. When I was wow. eight. Um and just the larger than life scale of it all, um, the fact that you know, movies can tell so many different stories that make you feel so many different things. And then with Jurassic Park specifically, uh, you know, can tell stories about these animals that don't even exist anymore um, was just real eye opening to me as a kid. Um, made me kind of want to explore all different types of genres and um I'm the type of person, you know, loves analyzing and breaking down movies and comparing them to other movies. Um, so for me, yeah, it, it really started early on as a, as a kid. Sure. Um, do you have a favorite movie? And uh, what makes that movie beyond excellent to you? Yeah, my favorite movie has to be Back to the Future. Um, nice. It's, <laughs> I, I love time travel uh, in movies and, and books. Um, and for me, it's, it's a movie that just kind of does it the best. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, you know, it's a comedy, it's a, it's a love story. It's, it's a science fiction, fiction, uh, film. Um, but from a very early age, you know, it, it, it came out in 1985, the year I was born. So I didn't have a chance to see it in theaters. Um, but just the visuals, uh, and, and everything around the DeLorean time machine, um, is just it, it it's just so captivating um and i still feel like a kid when i watch it and and the coolest part about it now um i have i have kids myself now these days and getting to share that that movie with them and seeing them light up and get excited by it, it it's it's been really awesome to see yeah and it stands the test of time it's absolutely it's a great film. for yeah. sure that's not a bad pick um Jonathan, let's st- let's stick around with you for the next question. Then, uh, uh, kind of, you you both are um, relatively new writers to Sif Pop. Probably been what like two, three months, right? Sounds about right. right. So, um, so when uh, really how uh, and then why did you uh, get involved in writing for Sif Pop? Um, it was kind of advertised as you know the writers' room and and becoming a, a contributor to the site was advertised at at the you know during one of the uh, towards the end of one of the podcasts recently, a couple months ago. Um, and it sounded really cool, really interesting to me. Um, I'm, the, I've always been the type of person when I see a movie, um, I, I immediately go on Facebook or online or something and kind of give my thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, you know, a dedicated group of friends who are always interested in hearing about what I have to say about movies. Cause I can you know, write long form passages about, you know, what I thought about it, if I recommend it. Um, and so this just seemed kind of a, a great fit and um, something that I'm already kind of doing anyway. Um, and the the best ever challenges, you know, are perfect little blurb size. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I, I I tend to find myself trying to, you know, almost, you know, going too long on those. So I, I have to edit, but um it's it's been a lot of fun. I think the first of the best ever challenges I, I came on board with was the uh, the facial hair in, oh, yeah, in yeah. movies. Uh, so that was a really fun one right out of the gate. Um, so it's been great so far. I'm I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Nice, uh, Jacob. What about you? You know, it's funny. I kind of have about the same answer. I it was on 
the Swifties, I believe. Yeah, the Sifties, yeah. The the Sifties. I keep saying Swifties. The Sifties. At the end of the Sifties. <laughs> Um, you get, yeah, there was an ad for contributors and I've been listening to Sif Pop for a couple of years now and honestly never even knew that you could contribute. So I jumped right on that, uh, sent you that email and, um, you know, I, I love writing about movies. I, uh, you know, I don't ever do it on my letterbox usually, but I, you know, I, I more so think about it and like ruminate on it and I never really had a place to write about it. So I'm glad I, I came to Sif Pop. Um, and yeah, uh, I think I came on about the same time, uh, as Jonathan there with the, uh, best ever facial hair mm-hmm. and it's fun to, you know, write about a movie you love or watch something new each week and contribute to it. And, uh, yeah, I've really, really enjoyed it so far. Cool. Glad you guys are having a good time. We love reading, uh, reading stuff you guys put out for sure. Uh, I love having you part of the team. Uh, and I'm not just saying that cause we're recording. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been really cool to see just the little ways that like it, it continues to grow. Like we constantly get new emails for new writers and like, that's great. Like from coming, if you're listening and you've been thinking about it, like don't, don't use this as a sign to na- say no, but now it's like, it's to the point where like we had a new writer come on last week and he, uh, he, he wanted to like see what was available for re- reviews for May, but there's nothing available for May. Like we don't have anything to give him other than like, you know, the best ever challenge stuff. So, so it's like, if it, if something comes up, like, you know, then, then he can grab something, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just like, we have so many writers now that it's like, just, there's, there's tons of stuff out there. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's getting more difficult, but it's a good problem to have. Um, and especially the more people that there are contributing, the more people that there are sharing stuff, which means the more fans of Civ Pop there are We're really extending our reach. Um, really love, uh, what's been going on at the site. Yeah. Um, all right, so real quick, we're moving this to the front of the show. Like I said last week, uh, wanting to give a chance to just put this out there earlier since this used to be at the end of the episode. And frankly, nobody listens to the end of, end of the episode, not even me. So um, they give you a chance to pimp your stuff. Uh, where do you guys want to send people to? Like, Do you have like a Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, whatever you want to send people to, um, to so that way they can follow whatever uh, whatever moved conversation that you're, you're trying to. Uh, Jacob, let's start with you. Uh, I would just say Jacob underscore Kinman. At uh, on Twitter, that's uh, K I N M A N, and then J H Kinman on Letterboxd. Uh, you know, like I said, I don't ever really write anything on there. I just kind of give star reviews. But uh, yeah, that's me. And what about you, Jonathan? Uh, you can follow me at Jonathan, my last name Feedy, at Instagram. Um, you know, I have a Facebook. I I think it's private. Uh, you know, more more so family and stuff. I'm I'm much more like open and involved with Instagram. And uh, you know, most recently at sifpop.com, I wrote a review for Sonic the Hedgehog two. Uh, saw that this this past weekend. I I think I liked it a lot more than um a lot of people. Um. But it was really great, so go check that out. That was my first long-form review that I've written for the site. There you go. Nice. Uh, awesome. And uh, one, real quick before we get to talking about actual movies, I have one question before we move on, and this is, I'm ordering pizza for us. What What are you having? Like, what is your go-to pizza? I can kick us mm. off what you guys think. Um, I love me a buffalo chicken. Uh, uh, although nice. although it depends on the choice. buffalo sauce. Not everywhere has good buffalo sauce. So I'm usually hesitant, but if there's a good buffalo chicken mm. pizza, that's my pick. Barbecue chicken pizza is a is a pretty safe bet. And if I'm ordering Pizza Hut is my typical go to. Um, stuffed crust barbecue sauce, a barbecue chicken pizza with mushrooms and pineapple. Interesting choice. Have you had the Domino's buffalo chicken pizza? Um, I'm not. I, it's 
I don't think I've had their pizza, but I've had their wings with buffalo sauce before. Their okay. buffalo sauce is good. I would oh, get a buffalo fantastic. chicken pizza yeah. from there. I would yeah. not get I, one from Papa John's. <laughs> no, no. I do they even have one? I guess uh, they do. I don't. I don't know. I'm sure they could make one because they have wings, and their wings are also terrible. So yeah, <laughs> uh, not a big fan of Papa John's myself. Um, but uh, I'm actually a driver for Domino's, uh, so I eat a lot of pizza. And so you're gonna I'm have like the most creative. Only, right here. <laughs> I'm only like slightly sick of it. After, I was like, if you after, if you just say uh, straight cheese, I'm gonna be like, why? Like, because you could go uh, in the. Like, I, you... uh, I love a good cheese, but to, you go ahead, Jonathan. I'm gonna think about this first. Um, I think I'd go with either a meat lovers or I. I love a Hawaiian pizza too. I know that's mm-hmm. controversial with pineapple on pizza, but um, could never really. I, I think no matter where you try, you can find one of those at at a particular restaurant or. or um, so I, th- those are usually my go-to if I've never been somewhere before, I'll try one of those. And it kind of gives me, um, exposure to a-, a lot of the ingredients that they would, they, they use there. So it, mm-hmm. it kind of opens it up. So yeah, one of those two. Sounds good. I'll go with the pineapple theme and I've always enjoyed like a bacon, onion, mushroom, pineapple. That's the mushroom good. pineapple is controversial. So sure. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that Aaron, but I, I, yeah, I like it myself. It's almost like well, a. Pineapple uh, itself is sweets. controversial on pizza. Like, <laughs> if we got yeah, three for three. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it is controversial. But, it's yeah, it's got, like, a sweet and savory thing going for it, you know. I would say that light sauce, extra cheese, thin crust. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining somebody that, like, since we just promoted all the stuff, that somebody that just went and found you on Instagram and followed, and then you said pineapple on pizza, you're like, ah, never mind. Uh, like, <laughs> 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 no it's, it's maybe all of us yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i'm tired of saying that pineapple doesn't belong. it does um anything belongs on pizza you could you could choose to not like something on pizza like i don't particularly like bacon on pizza um okay but but like yeah. you could put whatever you want on pizza and you shouldn't be able to judge it based on absolutely i think so absolutely i talk about that at work all the time i mentioned grapes on a pizza the other day oh that's interesting i i haven't tried it i but i saw it was on a travel show or a, po- a Instagram post or something. It was like grapes and bacon, I think. And I mean, I, I would eat. Them. I would look. I'm willing to try almost anything once. Like that's the thing. Yeah. Don't knock it until you try it. Absolutely. Um, that's that sounds interesting. Um, not not necessarily good, but interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's uh, that's what it's all about. Well, you guys ready to talk about some movies? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Sure. Um, Jacob, why don't you why don't you pick? Uh, we've got the bad guys, the Northmen, and the unbearable waste of ma- massive talent. Where do you want to start? Hmm. Let's start with the Northmen. Let's start with the Northmen. Yeah. All right. That's the so one. This is, <laughs> this is coming one. out April twenty second um, in theaters exclusively. Uh, from visionary director Robert Eggers comes the Northmen, an action filled epic that follows a Vi- young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. Um, this stars primarily Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor Joy. Willem Dafoe, um, yeah, pretty solid cast here. Robert Eggers, the writer-director of The Witch and um, The Lighthouse. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with his filmography, there's that. Uh, this movie is probably getting most known for it's going to have uh, two people fighting naked on a volcano in it. Um, so that's oh. kind of what you're in store for. Wow. Um, <laughs> so there's your synopsis, a little bit of your cast. Um, since you picked Jacob, I'm going to start with Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan, the Northman. How excited are you to see this movie? Uh, if let's let's take away COVID, 
doesn't exist anymore, so COVID fears aren't going to be there. Um, let's let's take away any sort of budget concern that might be in the way. Literally, the only thing keeping you from seeing this movie is your own free will. Um, when would you check this out? Would you go opening weekend? Would you wait wait for a matinee? Will you wait till you can rent it at home? Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you not interested in seeing? It? I would probably wait and rent it. Um, it looks really interesting. I've seen the trailer. Um, it also, though, just the color palette, everything just kind of looks, you know, that blue, you know, dark blue gray. Um, and it, it, it seems like, you know, a lot of the details are going to kind of be lost, um, amongst a bunch of people with long hair and fights at night. And, um, I don't know, I, I, I'd check it out. I'd rent it later um, and give it a watch for sure. Um, the naked volcano fight does sound uh, <laughs> very intriguing. Uh, I don't know that I knew that was in there, so it, that that actually might push it um, a little higher in my. I mean, they show it in the trailer, but it's obviously pretty censored <laughs> and pretty dark. But yeah. Sure, sure, um, but yeah, um, you know, it 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 looks like one of these. Epic spans decades, um, uh, battle movies that I don't know. I, I feel like we get one of these every few years and it kind of comes and goes, be it a, a Robin Hood that's been reboot, rebooted so many times, or you know, so we'll, we'll see if, if after it's out, you know, if reviews are overwhelmingly positive and, and audience scores are, are there, you know, I might check it out sooner. Sure. What about you, Jacob? Opening weekend, heck yeah. I had a feeling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm really interested in this director, Robert Eggers. Uh, I loved The Lighthouse. Um, And this is just the kind of movie I really enjoy seeing in theaters. Seems like something very violent, visceral, loud, you know, exciting, explosive uh, in the volcanic sense. And uh, yeah, I love this cast, too. I'm a big fan of of all uh, Skarsgård, Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Defoe, everybody. Um, It seems like uh, something me and my buddies can go see and just sort of talk about for a while and like geek out. So yeah, I think I might actually try to go see this opening weekend. I'm going to land right in the middle of you guys. I'm going to go ahead and just say matinee for this because I feel like this trailer looks awesome. Um, It looks a lot more straightforward, a lot more less weird of a movie than Robert Eggers has done in the past. Um, I hated the lighthouse. So the fact that he's doing (laughs) this is a, um, it is a detriment to me, so it kind of keeps me a little bit away. And the other part of it is, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a simple story, but there's nothing that's going to excite me about a simple story. And this looks re- relatively simple. Um, you know, this Alexander Skarsgård uncle kills his dad, and then um, it's it's him on this multi-year adventure of trying to get revenge for his dad. Like, that's, that's the story. Um, and I feel like that's all kind of like The Revenant. Is just a story about Leo getting mauled by a bear and then trying to get revenge for the guy who set him up. Like, you know, it feels like there's that, like there's nothing wrong with that. Movies can be great from that, but there's nothing that's going to be super exciting about a simple story, um, unless it's like fr- f- framed in the form of like a comedy um, or something that's just like um, supposed to be like super action heavy. Like, if you take the the style, like maybe nobody is a good example of that because um, John Wick and Atomic Bond are blue both a little bit more complex but maybe nobody like if we're gonna take this simple story and frame it in the context of an old retired him um so i don't know it's it's just i feel like this is gonna warrant a big screen experience for me i think it's gonna be great um, i'm pretty sure it's gonna get a lot of positive reviews but there's a lot of movies that get positive reviews that i go to the theaters and wind up not liking like the lighthouse 
and the Green Knight. Um, so, uh, so, uh, does, so does the so Northman have uh, intentional like Lion King vibes? Like Uncle kills oh, the never thought about that. father, and sure. then the son is trying to make his way back and reclaim the throne. Like it's very. Um, I don't know if it's as much about reclaiming the throne as it is just killing the man that killed your dad. Avenging. I got it. Okay. Yeah. But I got it. I, I definitely see the parallels. Yeah. It's yeah, like a Nordic I, Hamlet. Yeah. There it is. Nor- Nordic Hamlet. There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do you have, uh, I'm, I'm out of things to say. Like it's, it's, I, 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 I sure I could talk more about it. I just don't feel like I need to. So is there anything else you guys want to say before we move on? No, cool. that covers it. Yeah. I'm good. All right, Jonathan, the bad guys are unbearable waste of massive talent. Let's go bad guys. Let's save uh, Nick Cage for the end. Perfect, because um, I would have picked that. <laughs> uh, all right, so The Bad Guys. Uh, this is um, a, a movie coming out, uh, an, an animated movie. It's a new DreamWorks movie. Uh, the production so this will be a the- theatrical exclusive um synopsis here is several reformed yet misunderstood criminals attempt to become good with some disastrous results along the way uh notable voice cast includes uh sam rockwell mark Marin, craig robinson aquafina anthony ramos richard aote zazie beats alex borstein um tons of people wow um the only voice I really recognized was Aquafina and Sam Rockwell. So even though like that's it's it's weird though because so many of these people have so um but yeah, new DreamWorks movie coming out. Um again theatrical exclusive. Uh, since Jonathan picked this one, Jacob, let's start with you. Uh same scale. Um nothing but your free will holding you back. Opening weekend, matinee, rent at home, streaming service you already pay for, or not interested in seeing the bad guys. Hmm, I'll probably go rental on this one. It seems like something I would want to watch. Um, I, uh, that cast you just listed off is, you know, kind of prolific. But um, I don't have kids. I don't see a lot of animated movies in the theater. Um, you know, unless it's like a big Pixar movie. I'll probably go see Lightyear in the theater. That's about it. Um, sure. So I'm interested to see it. Uh, it. It seems like DreamWorks hasn't really come out with a whole lot lately. So it's, it's cool to see um, them have a release now. And uh Yeah. Yeah, I'll rent it, probably. All right. And uh, Jonathan, what about you? This will be a streaming uh, pick in our house. I have um, I have a four-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son, and hadn't even heard of this movie before. Like I mentioned before, we went to see Sonic the Hedgehog uh, last Friday night, and this was a trailer that ran before the movie. And they both seem interested enough in it, um, not so much so that we'll be there uh, in the theater or even you know opening weekend. But um, I, I could see it being something once we've exhausted uh, a lot of movies, some of which we watch multiple times and we're just looking for something, anything new. Um, I could see this being one that they would enjoy and, you know, it would be cute enough for, for the adults as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with Jacob on this one. I'm going to go with a rent it. Um, I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed the trailer um really surprised at like how it kind of captured because for the most part i'm uninterested in animated movies uh unless they're made by certain production companies dreamworks is iffy right because they've got the kung fu panda series but they've also got you know some some not great uh animated uh and uh um you know dreamworks to shrek so like half of the shrek movies are good and half of them are terrible so um <laughs> you know they're, they're they don't have a consistent enough track record for me to be like one way or the other on dreamworks but the animation looks really good. Got a lot of Zootopia vibes um, and a good voice cast and a decent amount of humor thrown in there. I 
I was surprised at how much I enjoyed watching the trailer. Uh, but yeah, it's not enough to make me really be like, I got to go see this. So I'll land in a rent. Um, the other thing about this is written by Ethan Cohen. So not the Cohen brothers, Ethan Cohen. Uh, but this is writer of Idiocracy, a couple episodes of King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead, oh. Recess, like we were talking about earlier. Um, screenwriter for Tropic Thunder, Madagascar 2, uh, Men in Black 3, uh, and then Get Hard and Holmes and Watson, just won't mention. But um, <laughs> he was, he's also writing on Echo, the Marvel TV series, which we'll certainly talk wow. about later. Um, yeah. yeah, So like he's got a good enough track. I love Men in Black 3. I think that movie is way underrated. Um, and uh, and Tropic Thunder is incredible. So like it, like he's got a he's, I haven't seen Idiocracy. I've seen parts of it. But it's like that's 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 a, rec- a, a notable name that's working on it. So I, it's based it's based off of kid books. Typically, oh DreamWorks did How to Train Your Dragon. Never mind How to Train Your Dragon. The trilogy that trilogy is amazing. So never mind it DreamWorks is. is good in my book. Um, <laughs> you know, and and they're also based off of kids books. So this is all this bad guys is also kids books. So I'm. I'm still going to sit with like a really high side of rent it, um, but this I think could have the potential to be a kind of surprise hit. I don't think we're going to see Oscar nominated for animated feature, but this could be a really solid animated film. You know, nice. Hmm. And that's, that's my thought that's on cool. that. All right, I honestly didn't even know this movie was coming out until Mark Maron tweeted about it. <laughs> I think he tweeted like some promotional thing with his character, and he talked about it on his podcast for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to check out that trailer though. I, I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. So yeah. And that's, you know, I, I, I try not to like force trailers cause people don't, don't like them, but it, it changed my opinion, you know? Sure. Yeah. I, I didn't know when it was coming out either until very recently, but I will say the trailer, the animation looks pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, I think with a lot of these animated films these days, in addition to obviously good story. And I, I think everyone's trying to come up with their own unique animation style we've mm-hmm. seen so many animated feature films that um it's it's kind of really hard to stand out and i will say that the, the animation style in this looks looks pretty unique pretty cool and also should be worth noting that like they're playing animals in this movie they're not like playing people uh, but this 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 is de- that's part of the reason why i also got zootopia vibes but that's good because sure. zootopia is incredible so mm-hmm. anything that gives zootopia vibes is is good in my uh, cool any other thoughts Mm-hmm. All right, no. well, let's move on to my pick, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, a cash-strapped Nicolas Cage agrees uh, to make a paid appearance at super billionaire or at a billionaire's super fans party, but uh, but is really an informant on the CIA since the billionaire fan is a drug kingpin and gets cast in a Tarantino movie. Um, this is starring Nicolas Cage, playing Nicolas Cage, uh, also starring Pedro Pascal, Demi Moore, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Ike Barinholtz, um, that's all the right. Uh, yeah, um, they're advertising this as the most Nick Cage movie to ever Nick Cage. Uh, guys, I gotta tell you, I am so here for this movie. I am opening weekend, absolutely. Um, I this trailer makes me roll. Um, it's it's so good. It's so funny. And but the concept alone um, is is just so interesting to me. Um, it's obviously not going to be like an Oscar movie, but one of those that. I, I, I think I'm going to walk into and just have a blast. So that's my, I'm opening weekend. Um, Jonathan, what about you? Same opening weekend. Uh, nice. I love the trailer. Uh, it looks bonkers. Um, I love the references to face off. I'm sure there'll just be a ton of references to Nick's Nick Cage's, you know, filmography. And he actually did a, um, a Reddit AMA just a few days ago 
Um, and he was super open and honest with fans. He's, he just seems like a really good guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he seems like he's at this real reflective stage of his career, um, real introspective. And uh, yeah, I'm 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 here for this. It looks it looks fantastic. It it, it seems like a really uh, unique, interesting concept. Um, you know, essentially playing a heightened version of himself. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 here for it. Opening weekend. And Jacob, I'm gonna go low side of opening weekend. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I I don't know that I'm quite. As excited as you guys, but I'm like cautiously optimistic. Not enough to push me into matinee. But sure. yeah, I uh, I actually haven't seen a whole lot of Nicolas Cage movies. Okay. You know, that's a lot of the 90s ones, but still interested. Still, you know, I'm a fan of his. And I didn't realize uh, it had the cast that you just listed off either. So that uh, piques my interest even more. Well, the only people um, they really advertise is Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal. But even that's enough. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I love Pedro Pascal. Um, so yeah, I'd say opening weekend. It's, um, I liked the trailer a lot and, uh, yeah, like I said, cautiously optimistic. I'll go with, um, man, Nicholas Cage has 110 actors. Uh, <laughs> Cause <laughs> so I was just good. thinking That's like, I, I haven't seen pig yet. I own pig. I just haven't. Seen, but like, I think the last, mm. I mean, if you don't count Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the last Nick Cage movie I've seen is like, I mean, I saw Snowden, but he's not really like part of that movie. Like, uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Like, and that's a terrible movie. Yeah. Because like, he's been coming out with you know, not great movies, which is fine. Like, yeah. if that's the career he wants to have. Like, you know, and, you know, the, the, he's got situations that make him need to, to just take the roles. And ev- we need an actor that could just be that, like, unhinged, uncaged guy. You know, he's he's filling that role. Um, we need that wild card actor. that, And then every now and then pulls out, like, awards winning performance in Pig, you know. For sure. Uh, Keanu was kind of getting that way. And then John Wick happened. Um uh, yeah. But yeah, um, Kick-Ass, Knowing... Yeah, that's my thing with Nicolas Cage. Is like, we know he's capable of a great performance, right? Like, my favorite movie of his is probably Adaptation. Just because yeah. he basically gives two different performances in that movie. And, you know, has that sort of off-the-wall meta vibe that his career turned into. Um, but yeah, it's just like, he's all over the place, that's for sure. He, uh, yeah, and adaptation making... is nothing like a typical Nick Cage movie, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, my that's favorite the thing is yeah. absolutely. It, it might be his best. Yeah, for sure. Um, and as far as the like uncaged, like he's good in National Treasure, and like I like I like uh, Face Off, and I really like The Rock. You know, the he's, Rock. He's got a solid filmography, especially if you go back past Sorcerer's Apprentice. Like you know, oh, I uh, forgot about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So. So like he's got a he's got a good track record and I like the reputation that he's built for himself. I mean, even though it is ridiculous and silly, like I like me some ridiculous and silly. So absolutely, I'm here. I'm totally here for this movie. I buy in 100. percent Cool. Uh, any other thoughts? All right. Well, before we move on to the SIF topic, I'm going to make a quick Patreon shout out. So Patreon.com/slash/SIFPOPWR if you're interested in uh, checking that out, listeners. Um, Five dollars, ten dollars, and twenty dollars a month. Five dollars gets you early access to all the episodes, um, including the bonus episodes. Uh, ten dollars a month gets you access to uh, exclusive reviews. This month's exclusive review will be the unbearable weight of massive talent. So I'll go check that out soon and give an exclusive bonus episode review of that. And uh, $20 a month gets you access to a personally selected um, uh, reviews for me to check out sometime once per month. So uh, check out that patreon.com slash sifpopwr. But let's move on to the sif topic. Uh, 
We're talking about TV shows today. It's the third Wednesday of the month. We always do that for TV. This is our TV catch-up week. Um, so we'll start off with um, favorite shows of all time. So I wrote down two just because I feel like it, it, it's got, got to be my duty at this point. Because I feel like there's enough to justify listing your favorite show of all time that is an hour length and a half hour length. Like I feel like there's there's enough differences. I'm just willing to say I have two favorite shows of all time now. Um, one in each of these categories, you know, and that's maybe a cheat, but I don't care because I can't not call either HBO's Watchmen or Scrubs not my favorite show of all time. So, um, so Scrubs is my favorite thirty-minute show of all time, and Watchmen is my favorite full-length show of all time. Um, that's what I've got. Um, one of you guys, what is your favorite show of all time? I'll go. Um, to match your format, I only wrote down one, but I'd say my favorite hour-long is Breaking Bad, which for me that's always in like a constant shuffle of like that sopranos in the wire as, as okay. like my favorite hour length i'm i would only say like a three-way tie but if i had to pick one for that breaking bad um mm-hmm. and then half hour i haven't thought about this uh there's a lot <laughs> i'll probably i'd have to go with the simpsons it's my okay. it's just it's my heart show you know and we'll, t- we'll talk more simpsons later with our b topics but, um yeah it's uh it it's one that just makes me laugh pretty much no matter what so that's me yeah for me um I wrote down two, didn't really break them down like time-wise, they're both 30 minutes, but for me it's The Office um, and Batman the Animated Series. Um, The Office, because it's something that I can throw on and often do throw on now, um, have it on in the background, kind of unwinding or doing things around the house and it can be on. Um, And so, you know, years after it ended, I still watch through season by season multiple times. Um, and Batman, the animated series, you know, going back to the nineties, that show was just so revolutionary and didn't dumb down the material was, was still okay. I guess for, for kids to watch, um, still very adult, uh, oriented, but, um, the impact of that show, the, the, the other shows that it spawned, you know, from Batman Beyond, and there was a Superman animated show that they of, often crossed over with, and Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, and then I think even and Teen Titans, yeah, Teen Titans, and all of I think the you know direct to video um, animated, typically Justice League movies that come out. It seems like one every other year now. Um, all the- of that. There was Mask of the Phantasm and mm-hmm. Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero that were directly tied to this, and then Batman Correct. Beyond Return of the Joker. Correct. Um, but yeah, you, you you get the sense that everybody was trying to copy this format. Absolutely. Um, and it's, I mean, for, for a quote-unquote kids show, I mean, there were just so many episodes that would stick with you, so many themes, so many, you know, you really felt, you know, I've always felt that of all superheroes, you know, Batman has the best rogues gallery and the the way you were manipulated into feeling you know empathy or you know sad for some of these these villains um in that show in a 30 minute animated kids show um was just truly impressive and i it 100 holds up um it's still you know gorgeous to look at you know the when when the show started um it was actually animated on black paper um, it wasn't drawn on, on white paper like, you know, most every other show. It was drawn on black paper. And, you know, those first few seasons, I think you can really tell there, there's a richness about the animation. Um, and it just it just stands the test of time. Well, and they managed to also, like, 
further the material. They didn't just reproduce it, but like that show created Harley Quinn and she's now like a staple in Batman comics. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And just perfect voice casting all around incredible anime. Um, and you're right. Some of the best episodes of TV that are put out there. I mean, like Christmas and the Joker is a, is an all timer and like almost got him might be the best animated episode of all time. Um, yeah. You know, in, in addition to that episode, there's, there's one, um, I forget the the title of it, but the episode opens in the Batcave. Police are shooting at Batman and Robin. You have no, you're just dropped in the middle of the story. You have no idea what's going on. Um, and it turns out that Batgirl is dead, and the commissioner blames Batman. And spoiler alert, you know, for a twenty something plus year old episode, but you find out um, it was a scarecrow induced hallucination. Uh, that Bat Batgirl was basically dreaming. You know, worst case scenario, I'm killed. My father finds out I was Batgirl. Blames Bruce. So, but it's just this. You know, it's it's one that really stands out for me um, as being unique and and thought provoking and and just crazy. I, it really good series. Love it. Yeah, and it's uh it's on HBO Max now in uh in HD. So love that they like worked at it. Yeah. Uh, I think I heard you, Jacob. We just had some recording issues, but I think I heard you say something like, you, we might have convinced you to check it out. You really should. It's great. Uh, <laughs> it's everything. Yeah, I uh, I never watched it. I remember it being on the air when I was growing up, but never watched it then, and then watched, I think, a couple episodes uh, on, on HBO Max in the last couple of months. So it's, uh, yeah, definitely on my radar now. The black paper thing you, you mentioned really interested me. So Yeah, I, 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 I've seen i must have seen behind the scenes something you know and they had to you know sketching on that they had to obviously use a lot of whites and a lot of you know but so much of it from the buildings to batman himself you know played in the dark um and so they just kind of ran with that it was it was a real interesting choice um they eventually got away with that i think in later seasons um but to start out it it really kind of set the tone and it was cool to see yeah for sure um yeah, so that's favorite shows of all time. Um, so let's move on to what we're watching. Um, yeah, and whoever wants to go, you know, now, now this is a conversation, you know. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll start. Um, something I'm watching that I'm, I'm really loving it hasn't been picked up for season two yet, um, but I'm watching the new uh, Wonder Years on ABC. Um, I was a huge fan, still am a huge fan of the original Wonder Years. Um, from the late eighties, early nineties, when that show was on. Um, and I, I'm usually pretty hesitant about retreads or reimaginings. Um, but Fred Savage, who starred as Kevin Arnold in the original series, he, um, I believe is an executive producer. I know he directed the pilot of this new series, but I believe he's a, he has a producer credit on the show. Um, when I learned that he was, you know, invested with it and at least saw, enough of a justification for a story to be told there. You know, I was on board and uh, it's just a really great show. Uh, my wife and I watch it together. Um, very, you know, family friendly, but a lot of heart and surprisingly doesn't just kind of retread old storylines from the original show. Um, it's in my opinion, much more family focused um, for those familiar with the original show. A lot of the storyline centered around Kevin and his his you know love interest Winnie and his best friend Paul and and this this new show definitely has analogs to those characters but 
there's entire, you know, multiple episodes where his friends aren't in it at all. It's, it's really, um, very focused on the main character. His name is Dean. Um, very focused on his family and their dynamic. Um, and just a really great show. Like I said, at, to this point, I haven't seen that it's been picked up for a second season. Um, it, you, you can never really gauge what is good numbers in network television anymore because right. years ago it used to be you needed tens of millions of people and now you need a fraction of that to to actually stick around. But I'm hoping it does. I, I think it's been really well handled and I'm enjoying it a lot. Nice. Yeah. I'm also watching a network show uh, because I uh, am a sap. So I've been watching This Is Us since the beginning um, and they're on their final season now. So I made sure I got caught up. I had like six episodes to watch because I was six episodes behind. But I, I wanted to make sure I get caught up because the series finale is um, next month. And I want to make sure that I can be able to watch that live. Um, there's like maybe eight episodes left because um, I want to be able to watch that live. And especially like I follow them on Facebook and they are the worst at just posting clips from the episode. And especially as they're trying to wrap everything up, like there's there's a couple in the show that is like going through a divorce and they're or about to they're going through the stages of they're going to get divorced here pretty soon. So and they're showing clips from that. And it's like, oh, I want to I want to experience it in real time. And like, you know, I just they're, they're the worst at that. Um, and uh, yeah, I will. I. I really like the show. Um, it's the first two seasons are gold, um, but the, the since season three, this is season six now. They've been really good. It's just not like that first season is one of the best TV seasons of all time uh, to me, and uh, I'm 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 excited for them to stick the landing. It's just, uh, um, yeah, um, it, it's it's interesting because, like I said, I was just six weeks behind, and so I'm just like part of it is I'm not watching a lot of TV right now. Because I was telling Jacob earlier, there's a triangle where, like, you know, you have TV, video games, and movies, and you can only dedicate time to two of them. And so TV's got the shaft for, like, a year now. Um, <laughs> so, like, part of it is I'm just not vo- motivated to watch a bunch of TV, but uh, but also just, like, I don't know. This season is really good. Um, I just, it should say something that I'm not like, oh, it's, you know, that comes out on Tuesday. It's like, oh, it's Tuesday. Like, you know, new episode tonight, like it used to be. So, uh, have you either of you guys checked out the show? I think I watched maybe the first season, um, mm-hmm. first couple maybe, uh, but yeah, I have a passing familiarity with it. Yeah, I've never seen it. Um, I'm familiar with the premise and especially the the how it jumps around in time. Uh, that aspect is is always seemed uh, in, intriguing, but I've never actually seen it. But I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it. You know, it's it's always our favorite shows. It's 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 always important that they kind of stick the landing when mm-hmm. in their last season. And it sounds like it's, it's doing that uh, for the most part. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I'm happy with where they're taking things. I mean, I'm not really happy with this couple breaking up, especially the way they're going about it, but I think they're going to address it. Um, I think that they're going to like bring some insight into that. Cause they, as they have, um, we're recording this on, on a day that an episode airs and the episode tonight is supposed to be like the big resolution. It's finally going to lead to, to where things are going to go. And my hope is that they, they kind of address some of the things. Essentially there is a very right party and a very wrong party. Um, neither of them are good. Uh, like, you know, but like since, since we're watching a show, you know, when you have friends that get divorced, you're supposed to take a side. Like, and when we were watching a show about people getting divorced, you want to take a side. And it's like the show wants me to side with the familiar character, but like, I think the familiar character is the wrong end. So, um, so I, I'm hoping that they kind of bring some perspective in. And, um, I think it's you know it's the right call. They need to get divorced because they're not they're not communicating well at all there. Anyway, um, 
yeah, so I would still recommend the show. I think it's great, um, especially a sixth season. Um, it is like 20-some episodes a season of part, so it is it is a haul. But um, this show is just raw emotion, especially that first season. Like, every single episode will make you cry. Like, I watched the whole first season in, like, one weekend that I had off from work um, back, like, when I graduated college. And, man, I just, like, curled up in a ball under a blanket, just tears constantly streaming down my face. So. <laughs> 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 um, so if you want a if you want a good cry, um, this is us. Um, All right, got it. Cool. Yeah, but I'm excited to see how it wraps up, um, and I'll probably have more. It won't quite wrap up by the time the TV catch up comes out, but I am writing the review for Sif Pop for this season. So nice. Just All right, <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead. Um, I wanted to talk about Severance. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a new show on Apple TV Plus, uh, created by Ben Stiller and. Uh, I just had this guy's name here. Uh, Dan Erickson. He's sort of a newcomer. Um, but this show is basically the the basic premise is it's there's this corporation that um, we're not really sure what this corporation does. But when you work there and on a certain floor of this uh, building, your work memories and life memories are completely separated in your brain. So there's this procedure that you do if you're going to if you're going to work for the specific floor of the company. Um, and they, um, yeah, put this little chip in your brain. And when you're, when you're at the workplace, you have no memory of your outside life and vice versa. So that's the basic premise going in. That's sort of the, the elevator pitch that, um, was going around, uh, when the, when the show first launched. And then, so the first episode, you are sort of dropped into, um, this, the initiation process of, uh, this person's first day and you sort of see their perspective. Um, I'll say this uh, has a great cast. It stars Adam Scott from Parks and Rec. Um, Zach Cherry, who you've seen in a lot of things. He was just in uh, Shang-Chi, the guy on the bus, if you remember oh, that Oh, yeah, scene. yeah. Uh, he's great. Um, John Turturro is in it. He He's g- giving a really good performance. Um, and, oh, he's fantastic, yeah. And then uh, Patricia Arquette is okay. sort of our, our big bad. In a, in a sense, she's uh, one of the main people at the uh, the corporation. Um, so yeah, this show will will hook you right in. You know, it it's a, a little bit of a slow burn. You're you're given a set of circumstances, and you have to sort of figure out where it's going. But the first episode gives you a lot of answers, and really, um, you're following two perspectives in the show. You're following the character. Oh, I didn't mention Britt Lower. She's a she's one of the main characters. She's a little bit of a newcomer as well, who plays uh, Helly, the new employee. So she's sort of the first person you see, um, and her initiation into into Lumen. So you're following her, um, but you're also following Adam Scott as the as the protagonist, and you're seeing him, you know, training Helly, and uh, they uh, normally this comp- corporation doesn't have anybody leave. You know, your memories are severed, um, and that's just where you work for the rest of your life now. Um, but the new employee. Uh, Helly is replacing uh, Adam Scott's friend in the office, Petey, played by Yul Vasquez, who's a, um, you might not know the name, you'd probably know him if you saw him, he's a great uh, character actor, but um, you're following um, that, and sort of uh, Mark, who Adam Scott plays, following his perspective in the outside world, he doesn't have any memories of what happened at Lumen, but sort of what happened to this guy that did leave, Petey, and you're learning the mystery of that, and sort of what caused him to actually leave Lumen. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my basic spiel about it. Um, I've only seen the first four, but 
Uh, you'll get hooked away hooked right away on episode one. I'm really interested to see where it's going. You find out a little bit more about what Lumen does in each episode, maybe sort of some of the side motivations that certain characters have, um, the backstories. You start slowly more learning more about these people's outside lives. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot to lot to hold on to. I think it's a an interesting time for the show to come out. We're coming out of COVID. People are reevaluating what they want out of the workplace. If you're working from home, the work life balance is starting to blur a little bit, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's uh, I think it's really topical for what what the, the country and the world is is going through right now. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's Severance. Uh, yeah, Mike just reviewed the show for Sif Pop and gave it a perfect ten out of ten. So anytime that wow. happens, like that's gotta be mm. gotta be something at least worth looking into. And Apple TV Plus is just just killing it over. They're they really over, are. So. They really are. Yeah, absolutely. Coming off a of best out. picture win. That's right. Deservedly yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I love Dakota. Uh, yeah. So Severance on Apple TV Plus. Uh, yes, you want to talk just about winning the... time? Yes. Oh yeah. Because. I wrote down that I had it, uh, that I had been watching it, but I haven't seen it since the pilot um, because I was trying to catch up on This Is Us. So um, t- tell me about Winning Time. Tell me why I should be excited about the next four episodes. Oh, six episodes. They dropped six uh, episodes. Or or five. Five. Yeah. yeah. So five. Yeah. They dropped episode six on Sunday. Or it aired. Um, okay. Yeah. I just, uh, if you like the pilot, it's more of the same, but also some different stuff. You get to meet more characters. Um, yeah, just for anybody who doesn't know, I'll, go, I'll give a little intro. Um, this is Winning Time, uh, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. It uh, chronicles Jerry Buss, played by John C. Riley, who's incredible, buying the Lakers um, in sort of a uh, insufficient funds kind of way. He's grappling with all these assets, and he's kind of broke, and but he also just wants to make it work, and... Um, you sort of see him uh, go through that, but you also follow the dynasty and the rise of Magic Johnson, uh, played by newcomer Quincy Isaiah, who is great as as Magic and just really embodies his charisma really, really well. Um, but yeah, just I think my favorite thing about this show is how it's just the style of it. It's got that hyper-edited Adam McKay sort of thing going on. They, there's a frequent technique that they use that I... Don't know if everybody would like, but I really do, to where you'll have your normal, um, you know, shot. It's a two shot or whatever. And then they'll cut um, to uh, somebody, like a close up of somebody in particular, whether it be their face or like um, their hands. It's like a three second shot, but it looks like it's shot on a camcorder. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that, Aaron, but um, they no, like, it's just a really quick cut. I don't know if there's that many in the pilot, but he uses it a lot and I, I'm kind of into it. I don't know. It almost gives you like this retro feeling, maybe a fly on the wall feeling like you're watching this conversation happen and you happen to have your camcorder up or, or almost I, like you're, you're there, you know? So no, I didn't I, notice it, but it's because there's the typical Adam McKayisms in the first episode, the like, you know, breaking the fourth wall to, to dumb down some mm-hmm, terms mm-hmm. or to give some backstory, which I love that. Me too. Me too. Yeah. They do that a lot, especially uh, Jerry Buss talks to the breaks the fourth wall a whole lot, and, and at least in the first couple episodes, and sort of walks you through his thinking almost. Like, yeah, I know this seems crazy, but I'm gonna buy the Lakers, and you know, here's why. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I I really really like the show. It's got an incredible cast. Um, I just want to take a minute and like read who all's on this show because it's you got uh, John C. Riley, like I said, Jason Clark um, mm-hmm. plays Jerry West, who um, when Jerry Buss bought the team was coach and GM at the time, playing like almost an exaggerated version of Jerry West because he's just this maniac, <laughs> basically. But um, he's really good. Uh, Gabby Hoffman, if you remember her from. The 90s. Uh, she plays uh, Jerry Buss's assistant. Uh, you got Adrian Brody as Pat Riley. Sally Field as Jesse Buss. Um, Jerry's bomb. Quincy Isaiah mentioned. Solomon Hughes is another newcomer who plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's great. He uh, really embodies his, his persona as well. Uh, Tracy Letts plays uh, Jack McKenney, who ends up coaching the team and the uh, after Jerry Buss gets, uh, resigns, actually. Spoilers, sorry. <laughs> I, I figured that was coming. Yeah, and it's it's all true events. It all already happens, you know. Right, right. Uh, Rob Morgan, Lisa K. Hamilton, you know Brett Cullen, who you might know, Rory Cochran from Dazed and Confused plays Jerry Tarkanian, which is like a complete transformation. Michael Chiklis, who plays Red Auerbach, Jason Siegel shows up and becomes a major character. He's fantastic. Plays Paul Westhead, who was um, Jack McKenney's assistant coach. Um, and you've got, this is an interesting thing about the show. You've got three fantastic actresses playing the wives of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Pat Riley, and Julianne Nicholson. Or, sorry, I messed that up. Let me start over. Sarah Ramos plays the wife of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You might know her from Parenthood. She's not quite as famous, but she's really good. Gillian Jacobs from Community has a tiny mm-hmm. role as Pat Riley's wife. Um, she's great. And then... Uh, Julianne Nicholson, uh, you've seen her in a lot of recent stuff. She was in The Outsider a couple years ago, plays the wife of, oh crap, now I'm blanking, uh, Jack McKenney, I believe. She's uh, not in the first episode. Um, and then uh, one other funny little wrinkle is in this most recent episode. Mike Epps shows up as Richard Pryor. Oh, so nice. Fun. <laughs> um, yeah, but- I'll take this shot, especially now that I'm all caught up on This Is Us. That'll probably be, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll try to get some episodes in this weekend. Yeah. It's it's a lot of fun. It it tells the story of the Lakers dynasty really well and sort of the team dynamics, how Jerry West wanted to draft Sidney Moncrief over Magic Johnson at the time. They already had a point guard. There had never been a six foot nine point guard in the NBA. There had no there had never been anybody like Magic Johnson who were was throwing all these wild passes and, you know, like redefining how how basketball is played and uh, sort of was one of the the key factors in creating this the Showtime kind of offense, um, but just the balance of uh, Jerry Buss finding out or you know creating this Lakers dynasty we know now and paralleling that with Magic Johnson and sort of seeing how he becomes who he is and um, building a relationship with Kareem and just um, developing as a player is uh, it, it's a really good good balance. So yeah. Winning time is awesome. Cool. Uh, are you watching that, uh, Jonathan? No, I've I've seen previews for it. Um, it definitely sounds cool. I, I I plan to check it out. Um, I'm a huge NBA fan. Um, not particularly a Lakers fan, but I appreciate you know good storytelling um, and you know highlighting they they were um, a dynasty. They've been multiple dynasties but that was that was obviously a big one um so 
yeah, I, I will definitely check that out. Yeah, we just talked a little basketball before you before we started recording, so I was wondering. Um, yeah, um, I'll I'll give a quick one here. Uh, my wife and I started watching That's My Jam. Um, it's a it's a new game show hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, uh, not Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon. Sorry, the better Jimmy. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, we we saw this because it started appearing on YouTube, just clips of what was going on. We're like, oh, that sounds fun. And uh, so we've seen I think four episodes of it, but it's they take um, two people, two celebrities, and then two celebrities. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel hosts it, and it's a musical game show. So um, typically, these are people that are in the music industry. Like the pilot episode is the four judges of The Voice, um, and then they, and then they, but they even have like uh, like uh, the second episode has um, uh, Chance the Rapper and Joseph Gordon-Levitt on a team, and then um, two other people uh, I can't remember on a team right now. Uh, but like, it's not necessarily always musically inclined people. Like they have. Um, like uh, on the last episode we watched uh, Anthony Anderson, um, which he's not a musician, mm-hmm. um, but, but you know, like they, they kind of, and you can tell they kind of like rig the games to be like a little bit less, like where he has to sing more. So he has to like lip sync battle or something, you know? Um, and a lot of it's like music trivia and stuff like that, but I, I really like it. Like they, there's, there's fun, clever games. It really feels like this is just an extension of the tonight show, which is probably the best late night show i mean i like stephen colbert more than i like uh jimmy fallon but it's hard to argue that he doesn't have the best uh you know the people running the show uh, to make it really something special but um but yeah and then like it all culminates like they're 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 um they're playing for charity um all the all the people so their team gets to pick a charity that that's my jam is going to send some money to and uh um there's there's lots of fun shows like my favorite um, it, it's worth really my favorite episode has been the Joseph Gordon-Levitt Chance the Rapper one because they work surprisingly well together and they're both people that I love on their own. Um, and, and so there's this like game where there's a bunch of instruments and then you have to try to play a song on a random instrument. And so there's like piano and guitar, but then there's like a slide whistle and, <laughs> uh, and a steel drum and, uh, like a Vuvuzela is on one of them. So like, there's a bunch of like, you have to try to play something. And so, uh, so that's a lot of fun. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt's out there, you know, playing all these random chances, chances trying to guess them. And uh, uh, that's a lot of fun. And then, and you know, they do like this, uh, um, they do some musical trivia stuff and then it ends with, you have to like finish the lyric and then they spray water in a booth at whoever, whoever loses. So uh, (laughs) it's, it's, it's a good time. If you like Jimmy Fallon or the tonight show, um, this is a great extension of that. I don't watch nighttime TV, like the, the late night shows. I watch YouTube clips of stuff. That's interesting to me later. Um, But I, but I'm enjoying the show. It's only six episodes. It's on Hulu and uh, probably Peacock as well, but um, it's, uh, it's getting a season two and I, I think it'll be exciting. I hope some, it all depends on how much fun the guests are having. Like on the first episode, like Blake Shelton is clearly like not in tune with any of the music that's going on. So he's just like <laughs> clearly having a, having like, he's trying to make fun of it, but he's, you know, him and then Ariana, Ariana Grande, I'm pretty sure has never heard a song before she was born. According to, to this show, she's, <laughs> she's so out of touch with anything that's before 2008. Um, <laughs> so, so like they, they kind of, they kind of suck as a team. Um, <laughs> um, and they, uh, you know, but at least like so, it, as long as they're having fun, then it's okay. True. Um, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Chance the Rapper were having lots of fun. So that's why they're my favorite. Nice. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. I love a good game show. That sounds cool. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to make a unique game show now. And so it, it, it is. 
like it really just feels like you know how like um on the on the late show with Jimmy Fallon or Tonight Show they do like the the, the spit take roulette and they do the like they they've always done some of these games where it's like you have to sing um oh on Ch- on Chance's episode um they had he had to sing um hot in here um in the style of a of of a country song and so the <laughs> the band is playing a country track and Chance is singing hot in here like as a, like and so he's like doing vocal inflections that like wow. really reflect it's awesome it's really awesome if you if you just youtube the clips of chance the rapper and joseph gordon levitt on it i'm sure you'll be convinced to just want to watch the rest of the show um so like it's it's stuff that like they've done on the tonight show so sure. it's it's not the most original but like it's a fun time that's yeah. cool nice. yep that's what i've got for now i've got a couple more that i can get to later but i've talked long enough <laughs> um i'll talk about um one of the things i'm watching is Season two of Superman and Lois. It's on the CW. And, you know, I'll admit the Arrowverse in general, for those of us who have watched, you know, it's it's way past its prime. Um, but this show, I mean, for my money, is better than anything that's come before it in you hmm. know the, the quote-unquote Arrowverse. Um, it's two seasons in now, and it's, it's odd because... It's the same Superman and Lois that have previously starred in episodes of The Flash or Supergirl or whatever, but they haven't referenced uh, even once the larger universe of of other characters. Um, and it's it's it airs on the CW, but it's produced by HBO Max, um, and it wow. shows uh, the 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 level of quality and just the cinematography. And the the filter and light effects in this show, I mean, it, it's it's definitely next tier, next level um, when compared to it. It honestly really makes the other shows like The Flash look worse um, because of the. It seems like it has such a higher production value, mm. um, but it's in the second season now, and it's it's something else it does differently than all of the other kind of Arrowverse CW superhero shows is all of those shows have a team, uh, essentially a a superhero team that supports the hero and they have a home base and they all kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And this is, you know, all of that stripped away. It's just Superman and his family. Um, It's him and Lois and they have two teenage sons, two twins. Um, But it's a family drama. It's, 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 it, it seems more adult themed and, and focused, not as many bright colors or, you know, hilarious situations that they get into. Um, so, you know, if you, if you haven't checked it out because one, it's on the CW or two, the Arrowverse shows have never, have either never spoken to you or, you know, are admittedly way past their prime. I would, I would still give it a look because of how different it is and how, um, how much it's kind of stands alone in that regard. Um, so don't let that be a deterring factor for you. Um, it's just, it's really great television, really great storytelling. I think the first season um, maybe had 13, maybe 16 episodes at most. So they're, they're even kind of um, shifting in, in, a, in a direction like a lot of streaming shows, which are tighter seasons, smaller seasons, so that every episode counts. Every episode um, is super focused, um, more money poured into it, and getting away from the, you know, model that seems ancient now of 20 to 23 episodes a season, Um, especially on these hour-longs that are effects-heavy, you know, 
trim that down, eliminate a lot of the filler episodes, and now you have more money to pour into the handful of episodes you do do. Um, so yeah, a huge recommend. Um, it's it's just a really good show um, with a high production value, and it, and it really shows. Nice. Yeah, I stopped watching all that CW stuff back um, <laughs> after the first season of The Flash, sure. um, which I really liked that, and I was ready to just move forward only seeing The Flash, and uh, and then I never did, and then all of a sudden I was eight seasons behind, and it's like, that's too many seasons, so... Uh, that's that's my history with the Arrowverse. <laughs> no, that's 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 completely fair. Well, cause, yeah, because I watched the first. I think that was three seasons of Arrow then, and um, is right right before Legends of Tomorrow started. And then mm-hmm. and then I was like, I might watch Legends of Tomorrow because Constantine is in it, and I loved the Constantine show. So yeah, yeah. Um, I never did. And then yeah, they they haven't. They've had a lot of success, but they haven't been able to get bigger budgets, and they're still locked into that kind of CW thing. So you saying that it's produced by HBO Max, just airs on CW, is is actually the thing that would most convince me to check that out. Um, yeah, I think originally when, when it was first announced, I think the, the, the announcement said that it would air on, it, it, would, it would stream to HBO Max. At some point, the decision was made, you know, probably to, to rope in a lot of the viewers they already had at over at CW to air it on the CW. But um, I, it, it just looks night and day from all the other shows they do. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, if it's still going years from now after the flash and everything is done, if CW kind of moves into a different direction, or I think there was, there was talk of CW being sold um, to someone else uh, or a deal is kind of in the works there. I could see it living on, on HBO max, no problem. um, Because it's just that well done. Hmm. Yeah. um, And it might be one of those plans. I think HBO max has a couple of those where like it premieres on CW and then it goes on HBO max the next day. Kind of like, Sure. Kind of like when Hulu originally started with Hulu. Uh, so I might have one of those because I think they did that with Wellington Paranormal um, and some other shows. So may- maybe that's how it goes. I don't know. Cool. Um, yeah. Nice. Jacob, what you got? I see your DC and I raise you a Marvel. Let's talk about <laughs> Midnight. Yeah, let's talk about uh, Midnight without spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, so, so for those that are listening that haven't seen it, you know. Sure. Of course. So yeah, it's only been out since March 30th. That was like two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. I'll keep it brief. Uh, basic spoiler-free premise is uh, you got Oscar Isaac. Uh, he's a he's a London bloke. He's uh, working at a gift shop. You know, just a regular dude. And uh, you know, your your first episode, sort of like Severance. You you don't really know a lot. Um, but he uh seems to wake up in strange places sometimes for unknown mm-hmm. reasons, and he's trying to figure that out. Um, and uh, through a series of events, he finds that. He has an alter ego out uh, in the world living uh, adventures in his body. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, there's a, almost like a conspiracy around this and sort of uh, uh, related to uh, his job. He works at this museum and they've got a uh, an Egyptian history um, exhibit up right now. And that sort of gives you a clue as to where the show's going. Um, I, I'll leave that there. But... Um, You've also got Ethan Hawke in this, uh, playing the villain. He is delightfully creepy. And I... uh, I like Ethan Hawke. Oh, yes. I I love Ethan Hawke, and he uh, is is great in this. I'd say those are the two biggest names. 
The rest of your cast is a lot of uh, British actors, actually. I believe they shot a lot of this in the UK, and it almost feels like a British production of sorts. Um, Oscar Isaac's accent is actually really believable, which is fun. Um, like apparently, he has a British accent? Th- that's the thing. His So there's Stephen Grant and Mark Spector. Those are essentially two different characters that he plays. Um, but M- Stephen Grant is the first one that we meet who has the British accent, lives in London. And then Mark Spector is the alter ego who has an American accent. So that's really, really fun to see him okay. play these two so, so, so different personalities. Stephen Grant is basically trying to pick up the pieces of this, you know, mysterious thing that's happened to him, happening to him in his life. It's affecting his work. It's affecting his, you know, personal relationships. And um, you find out later what Mark's deal is. That's, uh, I mean, this is definitely a, a slow burn as far as the first um, episode, you mostly see Steven sort of what's going on with him and sort of get some clues um, and then a little bit from Ethan Hawke's uh, perspective. Um, and then the second episode uh, that just aired really, really gets into into what's going on with everything. Um, yeah, this show's really cool. I love the costume. We saw that in the trailer. The sort of, it almost looks like a mummy in a way, but it's, he's got like a cloak and a hood. And uh, when he becomes this alter ego, he becomes Moon Knight and has, has the costume and everything. Um, and yeah, it's... Like any other of the other Disney Plus Marvel shows, it's it got its moments of uh, fun, levity a little bit. It's not, you know, not nearly as light as like a Hawkeye or, or something, you know. But uh, it's um, it's it's really great. Yeah, I would recommend it. Maybe you can confirm something that I've heard, um, and at least up to this point, uh, it it feels very detached from the MCU. Like they are not. Like it's it's oh, yeah. MCU, like it's in the MCU, but it's not mm-hmm. like there's no references to Thanos or the Blip or like it. it it's just sure, kind of sure. its own thing. I'm sure at some point they will do something to tie it in, bring in a character or whatever. But at least like they're not forcing anything. From what I've seen, yeah, in the first two episodes, there's no mention of any other heroes or the events of um, Infinity War, Endgame, whatever um, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's I. I suppose it exists in the same universe, but they haven't haven't mentioned anything like right. that. No. Yeah, no, it it is. It's just I, I hear that's really refreshing for a lot of people because the MCU has been pretty notorious about like we have to do like with Shang Chi, like we have to throw an Abomination and Wong, or um, you know, like there's there's a constant need to to throw in some sort of MCU character or reference the blip or anything or something like that. To and it just it gets a little exhausting. Um, but I feel like this is kind of refreshing yeah. because it is just kind of its own thing. Um, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's good to hear. Um, so, uh, I will raise, take your Marvel and I will raise you also Marvel. Um, mm. because I finally got around to watching Hawkeye. Uh, I've been nice. wanting to watch it since it came out. I just, it's one of those that like me and my wife watch them together. I've explained this on the show. I think, uh, but me and my wife like to watch Marvel, Star Wars, whatever it is together. And she's not a fanboy like I am, but she likes watching them. Uh, and so I I wait for her. 
Um, and so like, I still haven't seen Book of Boba Fett um, or I haven't started Moon Knight yet. Um, uh, and a show that we'll talk about in a second, I haven't started Peacemaker yet because I have to wait for her. And and I don't want to watch Moon Knight until we watch Hawkeye just in case there is things that cross over. Sure. Um, just like I don't want to watch Obi-Wan until Book of Boba Fett because in case there is some crossover. Um, so, so we're, we're going to, we're going to work on book, book of Boba Fett here soon uh, uh, to get ready for that. Uh, Obi-Wan premiere next month. But, uh, um, but it was one of those that we were so burnt out after what if, because what if was just kind of not good um, that we, it, it just took us a while to commit to Hawk to Hawkeye. And then there was also like, I mentioned um, last month, like me and my wife, like some of these trashy reality shows. And so we watched a lot of that. And so it was um, yeah, the very recent development for me. Um, but, but yeah, the, um, uh, so, so we finally started it um, on Sunday. We're recording on Tuesday on Sunday. And we finished it last night because it's just so good. Wow. Um, we, we watched four episodes like back to back to back to back when we turned it on because we were just like, this is great. Now, it's not like mind blowing. It's not like this is so good, but it's got such a fun energy to it. Uh, we for really sure, liked sure. it. Um, and yeah, so so we ended on the episode. I feel like it's been out long enough. Um, we ended on the episode that Yolana appears at the very end, which I knew she came and she was in the mm-hmm. show. I think everybody knew she would appear because of the post credit stinger from Black Widow. Sure. Um, right. And then and then and and I knew that Kingpin appeared because that episode aired right around the time that Spider-Man No Way Home came out. Mm-hmm. And yep. there's another Daredevil confirmed person in there. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I um we really liked it. Like I said, it's nothing ground- groundbreaking, it's nothing mind-blowing, it's nothing that even feels necessary. I mean, you you introduce Kate Bishop and you make more connections to like Kingpin, but um, you know, but this isn't like Jeremy Renner's send off. Like I think a lot of people were thinking it was going to be, um, and I think that's good. Like I would like to see this get more seasons, and I would like it to be like Kate Bishop will eventually be the new like only Hawkeye. So um, you know, it makes sense that there would be, especially because this takes place in like four days, five days. Um, it makes sense that this would be like the start of maybe give it like two or three seasons together. And then, and then Hawkeye can either retire because she's ready or he can uh, die an honorable death, but he has a family. So I don't think he'd do that. Uh, I guess Tony Stark to do anyway. Um, <laughs> so like, but yeah, like it doesn't feel like a super necessary watch, but I really liked it. I liked the tone. Um, I liked, I liked how it was relatively lighthearted. It, it, this is one of the things too, that I mentioned about, um, Oh, something else recently. Um, some other superhero project that it just feels refreshing when you have these superhero projects that aren't like the world is ending. Like because every time it's like, how many apocalyptic events has the MCU saved so far? Like it's refreshing when there's just like a Ronan's suit and sword are all of a sudden uncovered, and you know, uh, uh, and so Jeremy Renner's trying to close that gap of his life, and you know, keep, like it's just. Hawkeye versus a mob in New York. And like, there's not really any ramifications to the greater anything. Like it's really refreshing to have that kind of stuff. Maybe it was, um, maybe I was talking about that in reference to Harry Potter and the order of the Phoenix a couple weeks ago. That's probably it. Cause like, it's just refreshing when it's just all of these big events. And all of a sudden you just get to take a step back and be like, let's tell a small story on a small scale. So, um, we really liked Hawkeye for sure. Nice. Yeah. I enjoyed Hawkeye a lot. Um, and I, I saw it's, justification as as kind of a proper send-off 
and memorial for Natasha's character um, mm-hmm. because the end of Endgame, you know, Tony Stark got a funeral. Um, Natasha really didn't. And then even her solo Black Widow movie, um, because it took place in the pla- the past with the exception being the, the post credit scene. Um, we didn't really get any closure for her character there either. Um, watching that movie, you know, we, we knew what her end ultimately would be, but that movie wraps up and dovetails right into infinity war basically. Um, mm-hmm. But this, you know, this show dealt a lot with Clint coming to terms with her death, um, her sister, Yelena coming to terms with her death. Um, and the two of those characters, kind of reaching an understanding um, and and kind of recognizing the relationship that each of them had with her and what they, you know, what they meant to her and what she meant to them. Um, so in that way, I thought, you know, it's, it's a Hawkeye show for sure. You know, his name's there in the title, but I thought it was kind of the, the you know, the memorialization of her character that we didn't really get on screen mm. to this point. Um, so I, I thought it was it was really kind of effective in that way. Yeah, for sure. I also really liked Echo. This is where that's coming up from earlier. The guy that's writing. Oh, sure. Who wrote the bad guys? Um, so I'm excited to see whatever her show is going to do. Um, she's not called Echo in the, but it's um, she's called, it's Maya's her name. The the mm. the deaf girl from um, from Hawkeye. She she'll she'll be Echo. Um, and it's like I liked that character enough. I want to see I want to see what happens next with them and. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with Kingpin because I'm 100% not convinced that he's dead. Um, yeah, so. oh, for sure. I mean, he's he's too he's too <laughs> strong to be killed by one bullet, and uh, you know, um, he's he was also killed off screen. So, like, you know, um, yeah, that never counts. <laughs> right, that never counts. So, I'm excited to see. Uh, it also apparently mirrors a, a Daredevil comic um, from the 90s that the same thing happened. He gets shot in the eye, and then it blinds him. Um, okay, and that kind of levels the playing field between him and Daredevil. So, like, I think that's a really interesting way to take it. I'm, I'm just curious to see, like, what are they going to do now? Are they gonna, are they gonna have Daredevil season four, where now, you know, the Daredevil has to fight him, like, after the consequences of Hawkeye, or is he going to be the big bad of the Echo show? If he is, is Daredevil going to appear in Echo? Um, kind of what, what's the future of all that? Um, are Spider-Man or is Spider-Man going to appear in, in either of those since he's kind of a nobody at this point, which Joe and I talked about last week, um, you know, is, um, is this going to be like, a um, like, like Echo shows up in Spider-Man's movie or is Spider-Man going to show up in Echo show or like, is there going to be some sort of all three of them together? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'm excited sure. to see what they'll do. I'm surprised Kevin Feige hasn't said anything about it because he yeah. loves, he loves, especially once once content gets out there. He loves saying, "Here's where we're going next," and uh, I'm just surprised he hasn't. For sure, yeah. So anyway, I adored Hawkeye. Uh, it's not. I still like Wandavision most, but I like this more than Loki, and I definitely liked it more than What If, and for sure more than Falcon. Oh, nice. That's interesting. Yeah, so, Wandavision's my favorite by far, but then yeah. I think followed by Loki. Um, close. I mean, they haven't. They haven't put out as as many as they've. Uh, Marvel shows as they put out in such a short period of time, you'd think one would stumble. Um, I mean, what just, if kind of does, but yeah, that's true. That's true. What if definitely does, but I mean, they they haven't put out just a terrible product so far, in my opinion. Um, even Moon Knight, um, I think, is the first of them introducing a wholly new character that we weren't first introduced uh, to with a movie. 
Um, so I mean, unless you count like Kate Bishop, but I feel like you're saying like at least at least Kate Bishop is with Hawkeye though. Exactly. Yeah, this is completely you know Moon Knight's a completely new character, new setting, um, and like you both were saying, you know, kind of devoid of any references to the greater MCU as a whole. Um, but even that so far, um, I've really enjoyed too. I, I think understanding that it, I, I'm pretty sure it's only six episodes, like most of these series. Um, I think if I had one complaint and it's a small complaint, it's just that because we've never met the character before six episodes seems kind of short to learn everything we need to know, be invested in his story and kind of reach some sort of resolution by the end of it all. Um, at least with all of the other six episode Marvel series to this point, you know, we had a lot of the background on these characters kind of flushed out and established. Um, there obviously there are exceptions like, like the Kate Bishops, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm super interested to see where that goes. And I think, as I understand it on the, the Marvel, Marvel has this timeline of the MCU. I think Moon Knight slots in right after Hawkeye. So even though there's been no reference of the the greater MCU timeline wise, I think it's happening right after the events of um, Hawkeye. So you're you're smart to have caught up on Hawkeye first because who knows there may be some reference to the events of that. I, I can't imagine so far how it would kind of slot in, but I feel like there's going to be a character appear. I mean, because yeah. Marvel does that, and it's like you know even with um, even with something like Wandavision, like you know they have uh, like the 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 FBI character come in, um, you know, and, yeah. um, and since they've already, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if based off of what you guys are talking about with, uh, with these and based off of what we know about where some of the characters are, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to take one of the Eternals and put them in there. Um, sure. cause the Eternal starts Ooh. off in the UK. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have like the lead female character, like yeah. show up to try to help him, um, like in the finale or something like that. Like, yeah, That'd be cool. I don't know that Eternals is that recognizable, or people like people would like that enough because the movie kind of sucks. Um, but uh, so, like, I don't know. But maybe that would help with expanding that. I don't know. Um, and um, you know, even if it's just that Kit Harrington character, um, like maybe because especially there's with the way that they're setting him up for future. Like I, I don't. It, I would be so surprised if there's not at least a tease. Um, but I would be pretty surprised if there's not. Um, if there's not a greater connection by the end of the show and to be like, as we're recording this, only two episodes have come out. So like that's a third through the series. Like there's still plenty they can do. I mean, we, we knew that Kate Bishop was good or that not Kate. We knew that, um, uh, that Yolana was going to appear in Hawkeye. Um, uh, but then they also threw in Kingpin and it wasn't necessary, but it was appreciated. Yeah. So, um, I feel like there will be something that happens. Um, sure. and it's, that's just the thing. It's just like, even though even though Book of Boba Fett takes place after the original trilogy and Obi Wan takes place between the prequels and the original trilogy, like you just think that there's gonna be something like so. Right. Um, so it's just always best, you know, to watch um, to watch everything before it happens, you know. So, sure. Before that, before that. But I'm glad you guys are liking Moon Knight. It makes me excited. I think I, I, I want to say um, I need to talk with Abby about it about what we're gonna watch next. But it'll either be Moon Knight or Book of Boba Fett. Um, and they're both pretty short, so we might do all of Book of Boba Fett, so we can do Moon Knight by the time the finale comes out. Um, and then we'll probably get to Peacemaker. So, nice. um, and they have one more show to talk about um, in terms of this this segment. Um, I started watching MacGruber because I love MacGruber. Uh, this nice. is on Peacock. Um, I'm not liking the show that much though, and 
it sucks because I love the movie and I rewatched really? the movie because like before the show comes out, but it's just, it doesn't feel hindered by the fact that it's on Peacock because it's still as not safe for work as, uh, as the movie. Um, but it's just like, it's fine. I'm two episodes in. It's fine. It's not as funny as the movie and it's, it, it, it tries to take itself a little bit like a lot more serious than the movie ever did. Cause the movie itself is, it tries to take itself not very seriously. And this one is like, they're actually trying to be like, let's, let's up the, the seriousness while still keeping the like wacky, zany, stupid um, person that is MacGruber. Um, and so I don't know. It's just, it's just not quite fitting as well as the movie did. Um, I like, I'm going to finish it out, uh, but it's just not meeting. Like when they announced MacGruber, coming to peacock i was like yes this is so good now just like it's fine like i don't know we'll we'll see when i finish it up i'm gonna finish it up between today and tomorrow because i don't want to pay for another season of peacock <laughs> um, <laughs> but i need it so i need to get it done before it renews again in two days so more more to come on next tv next uh next month's episode but um it's kind it's it's definitely not worth buying peacock for um but if you have peacock you could do worse by throwing it on See, I was kind of on the fence about that myself because the first, so I have like the free version of Peacock yeah, with ads. Yeah. So the first episode is available on there mm-hmm. and I'm a huge fan of the movie. So I watched it when it came out, I believe, which was mm, a couple months ago. Like, yeah, like two months ago, start of the year. Yeah. And yeah, I, I basically agree from what I saw the first episode. It's yeah, Yeah. I feel like maybe they're doing that to try to appeal to an audience who hasn't seen the movie. Which is silly, but um, I don't know. I probably won't buy Peacock for it. Yeah, like I said, it's not worth buying Peacock. But the the one thing I do like about Peacock is that they are willing to like they do put out their stuff available on digital platforms at least to where I could like buy it on iTunes. So um, at least when MoGruber season two comes out, maybe I'll just buy season two. Wait till instead of I don't know Peacock Premium is not actually that expensive. But um, either way, like it, at least it's nice to know I have that option, you know, or if they ever put it on the DVD, like I could probably find it at a library or something. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's fine. If you're paying for Peacock, give it a shot. Um, and hopefully I have better things to report on next month, but I'm pretty disappointed. Yeah. Uh, now I want to go watch the movie again. It's been a while. Yeah. I watched it Sunday to before I watched the show. Um, all right, Jonathan, you have one more show listed here and I think that's it. Uh, yeah. The walking dead, uh, season 11. Um, is that I the know. current season? I don't know that what is, they're on anymore. That is the current season, final season. Um, they, it's it's gone through kind of a weird time. Uh, season ten ended right before, like right as the pandemic was starting. Um, so they had to delay the final episode of season ten because they weren't done with VFX on it. But then everyone had to scatter and go home. Um, so they delayed it. Then they announced season 11 would be the final season. Um, and most every season of The Walking Dead is 16 episodes. Um, but the 11, for the 11th season, they're doing uh, 24 episodes. And so they'd actually just wrapped up their second batch of eight. So they basically they split the season into three um, eight-episode chunks. So they just wrapped up the second eight-episode chunk. And they'll return in the fall uh, for the last eight episodes. And I know so, you know, most people have jumped off of the uh, Walking Dead train years ago, um, but I've stuck with it. <laughs> um, it, uh, 
it really, for me, changed around season nine. Um, a new showrunner, her name is Angela Kang. She came on board and com- just completely reinvented the show. Um, it it didn't hurt that the main character Rick um, left the show, and so you kind of had to take it in a different direction. Um, but it's it's been just a breath of fresh, fresh air since the beginning of season nine, and uh, they've announced countless spinoffs. And there's you know there's there's uh, you know Fear the Walking Dead is a spinoff that's about to start back up its seventh season or something. But they've announced several other spinoffs that will start after this the, the main show ends. But uh, you know it's it's been eleven seasons with this show. Um, it's had its ups and downs, but. Um, I'm I'm seeing it through to the end. I'm I'm in, interested to know how they're going to wrap it all up. How close to the comic book story they'll they'll stay, or if they'll kind of divert and do their own thing. The fact that they have spinoffs set up post the end of the show leads me to believe they're going to kind of take it in some different directions and end this show in a way that allows those spinoffs to happen. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll stick with it. Like I said, for those. If you dropped off, you know, understandably, season six, seven, eight, around there, um, everything kind of changed and got immensely better around season nine. Um, so yeah, wrapping it up. Hope they stick the landing. We'll see what happens. Right. Yeah, I dropped off after season three because that was a dumpster fire. Uh, I think I watched <laughs> season four and it it was fine, but it wasn't enough to get me back in. That's fair. That's about when I dropped off. I think. Uh, season three or four, like sometime after the governor, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just had, are they still mm-hmm. doing the Rick Grimes movie? Is that a thing? Um, supposedly, um, he, he was whisked away in a helicopter, uh, shortly into the, into season nine. Um, most of the characters on the show, most all of the characters on the show don't know that he's still alive and they're supposed to be uh, a movie. They've said they want it in theaters. I can't imagine it doing, it having the followers and, and numbers to justify a theatrical release. I could be wrong about that, but it would be cool to see kind of a, a high budget, well-produced for AMC or even, you know, they have AMC plus if they wanted to get people to pay for it in some way. Um, but all they, all the creators keep saying is they're working on it. They're perfecting scripts and, but no one said anything. So does he show up at the end of the, the series run, you know, uh, who knows anyone's guess, but it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I, I mean, I think to your point, I think it would have enough to make some money. Um, I mean, there's still a lot of people that still like the show, uh, still watch the show. Um, I think anybody that watches the show would get into it. But then, of course, any um, a- anybody that's... I mean, at one point, The Walking Dead was the most watched show on TV. So, right. like, there's... I, I might even go see the movie if the trailers look good enough, even though I sure. haven't seen past season four. So, um, yeah, I I think there's... I think that it would make some pretty decent money. Uh, it wouldn't be, like, you know, a bunch, but I think $250 million is pretty... You could probably, probably yeah. get that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plus, there will be people, be people, be people that have never watched an episode of the show, but see a new zombie movie, and it's like, all right. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, AMC, I think, has their own AMC Plus now. There's no way they're making mm-hmm. it into there because yeah. I don't think anybody pays for that, and that's definitely not going to get people to drive to that platform. But sure, I was like, I could maybe see if Netflix picked it up, but they wouldn't mm-hmm. sell to a streaming service. They did that with El Camino, though. It's true. That's all right, true. maybe that could happen. Yeah, that's true. 
Very true. All right. So, uh, so what are some shows that you guys have on your queue? Um, I just have like a kind of a running list. I mean, I'll add um, Severance to this now. Uh, but Severance, uh, obviously, Moon Knight has been added to my queue in the past month, and it's not quite out yet. But Barry season three is coming out April twenty fourth. Yeah. Um. So as soon as I finish MacGruber, I'm gonna rewatch Barry seasons one and two because it's one of the best shows on TV, and it's been like three or four years since we've gotten new episodes. So. Um, I will for sure be watching Barry season three as it comes out, but I want to watch seasons one and two again as a refresher. Um, but that's, that's what I've got for additions to my queue. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I've got, um, I've got peacemaker, uh, season Mm -hmm. one. I've heard, you know, phenomenal things. Some people swearing it's the best DCEU or whatever you want to call it. Uh, anything that's come out. I really enjoyed the suicide squad. Um, and so, yeah, I, I definitely want to check this one out. And I've also got, I've seen a show called Manifest. It was originally on NBC seasons one through three, which I watched. Um, but then it was canceled like so many shows on that network that are have any kind of high concept that, you know, people have to think about um, typically get canceled. So I, I, I could see that coming, but it shifted to Netflix and did crazy streaming numbers. And so Netflix has actually picked it up and they're producing a fourth and final season. Um, Every season of that show when it was on NBC was about 10 episodes, maybe 13 at the most. Um, But this fourth season on Netflix is going to be 20 episodes to kind of wrap up the story. Um, And I'm three seasons in um, enjoyed the show enough. So I'm kind of rewatching it in anticipation of, Sometime, I don't think it has a, a release date yet, but season four is supposed to come out sometime later this year. Um, I think they're they're close to wrapping up filming on it now, so I'm kind of re-watching that in anticipation of the the final season coming out. So that's what I've got. So what do you what do you have on your queue, Jacob? Uh, yeah, you mentioned Barry season three. I'm excited for that. I don't know if I'll be able to fit in a rewatch myself, but yeah, looking forward to season three. Better Call Season 6, I messed that up, Better Call Saul Season 6 is uh, about to drop next Monday, and I am very, very excited for that. I actually am one of the few people that pay for AMC+. Plus. I actually <laughs> one of the got it, people. <laughs> yeah, I got it specifically to keep up with Better Call Saul week to week. Um, might even get into a little bit of Walking Dead now, who knows. Um, and that one, uh, yeah, it's been a while since Season 5. Um, you know, Bob Odenkirk has had a health episode since mm-hmm. between season five and season six, but he's okay, thankfully. Um, and, and uh, did they, have they had a episode out since COVID? I don't think so. Okay. So if, also um, I want to, yeah, yeah. Season, season six was, um, was delayed because of COVID, I believe as were a lot of shows. Um, and we'll actually talk more about, uh, Better Call Saul in a little bit with my TV hot take. Um, but yeah, we're, we're finally, um, getting close to the events of Breaking Bad with, with Better Call Saul and you're, we're gonna see the pieces kind of come all together with, with Saul's story. So I'm really excited for that. And uh, the last one I'll mention is Atlanta season three. Uh, another one I'll probably have to do a rewatch for (laughs) because there hasn't been an episode of Atlanta that aired since 2018, which is crazy to me. Wow. Yeah. I thought it was at least 2019. But um, there's not that many. I'll probably try to do a quick rewatch of that before I get into season three, just to kind of get back into that that vibe, mind frame a little bit. Um, but that's uh, that's out right now. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Cool. 
Well, let's move on to those TV hot takes then, Jacob. You've already alluded to yours, so go for it. Yeah, all right. Okay, so if you follow entertainment headlines, you might have noticed, I believe it was Saturday or Sunday, it was announced that Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul will, of course, reprise their roles as Walter White and Jesse Pinkman in this new season of Better Call Saul. It was announced, actually, by one of the showrunners, Peter Gold, at a Paley Fest. Um, I believe that was sometime last week in L.A. And here's my hot take. Why not just keep that secret? Like, we know it's going to happen, probably. But I feel like you can leave a little bit of mystery there, you know? like Prob- Probably because I, everybody knew it was going to happen anyway. It, it, yeah, we knew it was, yeah. But if no, if nobody ever announces that, there's still that tiny little sliver of will they, won't they, right? There's that, you know, sure. uh, you know, they open the door and then maybe cut right away before Walter White shows up or something. I don't know. I just, to me, I don't see what's to be gained from announcing that aside from giving more publicity to the show, which maybe the show needs that. It hasn't aired in a while. You know, cable isn't as, uh, as popular as it used to be. AMC definitely isn't. And- I feel like um, there's also still enough people that really loved Breaking Bad but never gave Better Call Saul a chance. So maybe this is their, like, hey, no, you really should. I suppose that that's out there. That's crazy to me, though, that if you love Breaking Bad and have never watched Better Call Saul. Well, but from my, I, rec- I from my recollection, from my recollection, I don't think Break, I don't think Better Call Saul was initially received well. I, I think it had a slow start. If I recall, I don't think fans liked it for the first half of the first season, I think. But once it got going, fans were all on board. But I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, That's that's fair. It was kind of marketed. It was almost, I remember it being almost marketed as like a comedy a little bit. Right. I remember that too. It obviously has its comedic moments, but it's definitely not a comedy. Um, But if it gives more publicity to the show, gives more people to come around to season six, which kind of happened with Breaking Bad season five even. It was a show that people were talking about. It was just gaining momentum. And then season five airs, and that's just, you know, craziness. And everybody's glomming on to the second half of that season and watching the finale and all. It becomes like a national phenomenon. But, um, yeah, that's – I don't know how hot of a take that is, but that's what I got. Uh, it's – I mean – I think it's just not – I wouldn't necessarily say it's a super hot take because we all knew they were going to come back. It's just you're saying they didn't need to confirm it, you know. But, it, like, that, yeah. the Kingpin reveal would have been so much worse if Kevin Feige would have said Kingpin's coming in uh, to, to Hawkeye because right. it worked the way that it did. So, And maybe you're not expecting Kingpin to show up on Hawkeye either with that announcement too. I so wasn't. It's a, yeah, I wasn't either. I, don't, I think it was a – it's a different kind of situation, but I mean, was, I was when they start talking about the boss, but other, but if if I didn't know, if I had watched it in real time like everybody else, I'd, I might have thought that the boss was Kate Bishop's dad, who mm-hmm. is killed off screen. So I'm not convinced he's dead. Nope. And apparently, go. there was a deleted scene for the finale that he was supposed to come back. So, which would make sense if 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 he wanted to stay off the grid because everybody thought he was dead and and uh, and he had debts with Kingpin. But now that those debts are paid, you know. And that's all blown up. Maybe makes sense for him to return. But yeah, uh, my hot take is um, I've used this one before, but I'm going to use it again. Um, and it's not so much a hot com- hot take as as it is uh, Aaron rants about something. <laughs> um, I complained about this when I was watching Future Man on Hulu. I'm going to complain about it watching MacGruber on Peacock now. If you have an original for streaming TV show, you should pander your content to the highest paid subscription team. What I mean specifically is on, on, on both Future Man and MacGruber, there is very obvious fade to black and fade back in from black 
transitions that you would use for commercials. Now, Hulu and Peacock both have um, ad tiers, like tiers where you can pay less money and watch ads. But I pay more to not watch the ads. You should pander to your highest paid tier. You should make the content for your highest paid tier because my my experience is worse because it ruins the flow of the show, especially when there are no ads. Why are we adding these fade to black transitions? And look, I'm willing to forgive it for something like I watched AP Bio on Peacock because I loved watching that show before it was on Peacock. Um, now, if if you want to go ahead and say, look, AP Bio had two seasons that premiered on NBC and then two seasons that were on Peacock. They already had the format of the show. So just keep it consistent at that point. But MacGruber wasn't on TV first. It was a movie. like, And Future Man was a Hulu original always. So why on earth would you insert these obvious, in, unless your argument is we planned for it on TV, we were picked up by NBC, and the last minute they decided to put it on Peacock, but that was not the case. They always planned on putting it on Peacock. So it, that's your only argument, but it ruins the flow of the show, and I pay extra money to not have my show ru- ruined and interrupted the, by the flow with ads. So why am I getting ads, uh, ad breaks? It's just as bad as getting the ads themselves. So that's another reason why I'm definitely trying to not pay for Peacock again um, for more than just this small trial that I've had um, because I hate that they do that. HBO doesn't do that. Netflix doesn't do that. Netflix doesn't have ad tiers yet. Uh, but <laughs> I'd be surprised if they don't, if they don't offer an ad tier soon. But it makes no sense to me. Pander to the people that pay you the most. Because that would also encourage people to pay more. Done. All right. I've never heard that take before, but I like it. Well, do you do you have like do you have Hulu with ads or without ads? Do you not have Hulu or like Um, I have Hulu with ads. Yeah. So therefore I don't use Hulu. Right. Um (laughs) And that's the thing too, is like, look, if you want to pay for the ads version or for the for the version with ads, that's fine. No I don't I I don't have a problem with that. But my experience should be better because I pay more. Like, <laughs> is this capitalism, almost, man? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It almost seems like a matter of work, though, right? Like, they would have to basically have two versions, like one with the I'm, ads, no, and one just, where you have to like edit out all those transitions. You just you just stop the fade to black. That's all you do. You you cut out the small fade to black, and it's just a standard transition that you add your ad break in. That yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. I yeah. just it's all fine. Um, it's, it's all fine if you want to pay for the ads one, but it's like, there's, there's a way you don't have to have two versions of the show. You can have the same one. You just don't have your fade to black or fine. You do, you do a small bit of editing and you have two versions of the show out there. Fine. Anyway, it's so annoying. (laughs) Yeah. It reminds me of like when you would watch a TV series on DVD back in the day. Yeah. Like the office or something. And it has those little ad breaks. But fine because it's original audience was on NBC. The Office isn't a Netflix or Peacock original. It wasn't ever straight to DVD or anything like that. So, fine. I don't care. Because that's the format it was originally intended for. Sure, yeah. By Peacock having ad breaks in their episodes on the no-ad tier, it's it's not the original intended format. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it bothers me. <laughs> I'm not saying we need to re-edit, you know, like The Office or, you know, any any of those shows that have those ad breaks. You know, Scrubs, but I'm just saying. Make your original content for your original content and make it for make it for the highest paid tiers get the best experience. I'll stop now. <laughs> I, I like that. No. Good completely rant. justified. Good rant. Nice. And Jonathan, what is yours? Um, I mean, not the hottest of take, um, but, you know, it was recently confirmed that Futurama be coming back again. Um, and I am just not 
I, I'm not at all interested in it. Um, this show, I, I enjoyed it, you know, when it came out 20 years ago or whatever it was, you know, and it was out for a while. It was canceled. You know, there was outrage. Mm-hmm. Um, it came back with a series of, I think it was Cartoon Network or Comedy Central came. A, a Comedy Central of, revived it. Yeah. yeah. Of like, there, there was a, there was a, initially like four movies, I guess, quote yeah. unquote. And then it, it eventually, I think around like, 2010 2011 it came back as a series again and it was it was viewed as this you know injustice that had been righted because it was back now um it had another you know i'm assuming successful run and then it went away Mm -hmm. and now it's coming back again and it just it 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 seems like this show that every time it goes away there's outrage like it was you know it was canceled too quickly and now it's you know this right this wrong is being righted now that it's coming back again and i just you know i'm much more interested in i don't think a a a date or even a production timeline has been announced but um king of the hill is supposed to be um right revived and coming back i'm much more interested in that you know these characters that in the the world and the political climate that we're in today hearing what they have to say than these these other characters that you could really slot them in in any timeline or the events of, of any period, um, I, I just I don't see what still needs to be said with these characters. I, I would much prefer revisit, you know, a King of the Hill or which is coming back, which is great, or some some other show that you know. Let, let's see what these characters have to say about. Um, well, today. and correct me if I'm wrong, but King yeah. of the Hill ended on its own terms. It did, and um, Futurama was canceled both times, so it never got the finale they wanted. Sure. Uh, you would think, though, with the second go-round, um, I mean, unless, I don't know how all the behind-the-scenes stuff works, um, maybe it, maybe the second time it was completely a blindsided thing. But you'd think after the, the experience the first time, they would be more consciously writing towards an ending or trying to, again, unless they, the, the rug was just completely pulled out from under them two times in a row. Um, but, you know, how often does that happen to shows? And they're never given um, any kind of second chance or revival or resolution. And here it is, you know, Futurama going or, you know, it's third, you know, bite at the apple. I don't know. It's just... who's the Who picked it up this time? Is it is it Hulu or is it I uh, believe like, it's who. Um, okay. I, I didn't know because you're right. It was Fox, and then it was Comedy Central. Yeah, um, and, and even in even this latest go round, there was the the voice actor who plays Bender. Um, he wasn't going to be involved, and it was a money thing. And then enough fans voiced outrage and and you know declared they wouldn't watch the show without him. That he got paid, and now he's so you know get your money. I get that, but it just seems like the show that won't die that i i I don't know i i'm just not super interested in seeing where it is or what you know where it has to go because there are so many shows that i enjoy that never get this kind of second chance or are canceled too quickly you know there are plenty of shows that i've loved that i would love to see a second chance of and it just seems odd that this one is now getting a third chance to maybe wrap up this time. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see, I so, guess. Um, that's what I'm curious. And I did do some checking. It is, a, yeah, it is Hulu. It, it will be Hulu original the next, got it. the next little bit. And we'll see if, if, if Futurama is on Disney plus, if it, if it's not, I'd be surprised if they don't put it on there. And then I'd be surprised if they don't have it be a Hulu original. That's also on Disney plus. Sure. Um, 
Um, if they have Simpsons on there, they can certainly have Futurama on there. Right, right. Um, you know, and sure. if they have the Netflix Marvel shows, they can certainly have it on there. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think, um, I, I wonder if this is, we're bringing it back just so they can end on their terms finally. Sure. Um, because there have been shows that have done that, where they revive it just for one season to say, just wrap up your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because because it's it's deserving of that. And then by producing it, they t- that means they get the rights to the show. So, True. you know. Which who who, Futurama was a Fox show, so like that's they. I think they always Hulu always had the rights because Disney owns Fox now. So right, Um, like I think they have the rights uh, anyway. But yeah, I wonder if it's just one of those like we're gonna let you, we're giving you one season, thirteen episodes to whatever you want, or ten episodes, whatever, whatever you want to do, but just finally make your show like end to where people aren't gonna just be. But but it it would feel weird. Like I feel like fans have finally like accepted that it wasn't coming back, and they can always be like, "It was great, and it shouldn't have ended." But like, it's certainly nowhere near as passionate as like the Snyderverse people. So sure, like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel like there was any like like I'm sure there's lots of people that are happy that it's coming back, but yeah. it doesn't oh, seem no, like doesn't seem like it was you know like uh, um, as outrageous as uh, trying to think of like. I mean, Firefly was a big outrage at the time. Yep. I'm trying to think of the last like big outrage that forced, uh, or really somebody tried to take advantage of and pick up a second. I, I, I'm drawing a blank right now. I know it happens, but like maybe Lucifer was that example because Netflix picked it up for a final season. They did, yeah. Um, but but that was already like once it was done airing on CW, that was already going to to Netflix anyway. So I don't know. Um, yeah, interesting. I've tried Futurama a couple times. I just can't ever fully invest in it, but I like it. It's just to me, it's a rerun show, not a sure, or, or even a background show. It's not a. That's kind of how I, I've approached Futurama. Yeah, it's it's on. I'll watch it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's move on to the uh, the B plot. Um, so let's talk about TV shows that are better to watch a part of rather than the whole. So we've done a variation of this question of this question in the past, and but it, what what it's really been is shows that you could cancel at any given point. So go back and cancel the walking dead at the end of the first season, I think was an example I said, um, because that would have been perfect. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we've done that before, but I think this is a much more interesting question, which is just better to watch part of than the whole, because it allows flexibility for us to say, you know, like a big example would be like the office you've already mentioned. A lot of people are like, it doesn't get good until season three. So like, if you could shows that are better to watch part of the whole, I mean, obviously parks and rec is a good example of that as well. Um, but shows that you can watch part of rather than the whole, um, I'll kick us off cause it looks like I have the most, so that's fine. Um, I will start off with, um, I've said this one before, so I'll just say it again. House of cards. Um, if you're going to watch house of cards, if you can get over the fact that Kevin Spacey stars in it, um, and if, if you can get behind, it's a really well-made show. You should just watch seasons one and two because there's going to be a couple loose threads, but it is such a satisfying ending for what what it came out to be. Because um, the beginning of the show, the the pilot is he gets screwed over, and so now he's like, I'm going to I'm going to eventually be the president of the U.S. And the end of season two, the end of season one, he becomes the vice president. And the end of season two, he becomes the president. And it's, he finally got what he want. And it's definitely like a negative ending because we don't want this guy to succeed. Um, we don't want him to be in power because he's an asshat. But, um, uh, but it's such a power. It's such a good ending of the season and would have worked as a great series finale as well. So um, that's my, that's my first answer. Cause I've already said it before a couple of times, house of cards, just, just season one and two and then stop, especially because by the time it gets to the final season, it's a dumpster fire. 
So, yeah. Uh, Jacob, you want to go next? Sure. Uh, I mentioned earlier The Simpsons. We'll go with that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if any Simpsons fan knows that, like, there's a golden era, I'd call that, like, season one to season 15, roughly, mid-2000s-ish. And then after that, I feel like the show just kind of jumps the shark. Like, the the right, there's a certain point, I couldn't pinpoint it exactly, where the writing goes downhill. Some of the jokes, and, like, especially seasons four to nine, I'd say, are just so clever. And, like, really, really, really hit me in the in the funny bone but um i don't know especially these newer seasons you know the last 10 years or so have been awful like you're this show should have been canceled a while ago honestly you know it's a it's a cash cow for fox and disney now obviously and a, a huge property but yeah i have a hard time watching anything from pretty much 15 on you know it's uh it's it's almost hard to explain but like you, you get a sense that some of the voice actors even aren't giving it their full go of it, you know, anymore. And uh, poor Julie Kavner can't really do Marge that well these days. It's it's probably taking a strain on her voice in, in the first place, and they're all getting older. But um, yeah, I don't know. And I said Simpsons is my favorite show. It's it's weird to say that, right? Like, oh, I don't really like every episode, but um, those those first fifteen or so seasons are good enough for me to, you know, call it still my favorite. But yeah, once again, not really a hot take. It's it's pretty much common knowledge if you like The Simpsons, but yeah. Look, if it means that we get more Simpsons video games, then fine, they can cancel the show. Um, <laughs> oh man, I wish. They need to reboot Hit, Hit and Run. Yeah, Hit and Run and Road Rage that's, should that's be backwards compatible or remastered. Um, There's even The Simpsons you, game? Yeah, the one based on the movie? Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. It's just called The Simpsons Game. Is it based like, off uh, the movie? The original I think it is. Arcade? The I what? know which one you're... Oh, There's yeah, the original. original like, arcade game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, and even, like, they had some really good, um, like, Game Boy games that could be easily, like, put on a phone, like, on yeah. a Google Play store. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like uh, I know uh, the one I played was uh, Bart Skateboarding. I thought The Simpsons Game was just its own separate thing, um, not, not tied to the movie. No, I think it, um, I think it was because they use there's some I, scenes in the movie from that game. If I'm not, mistaken. I didn't I didn't fully play it. I played a little bit of it, but I, oh, sure. I feel like I would I would like to play it now. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm all for more Simpsons games, um, especially if they want to remaster Hit and Run and even make a sequel. Fine, um, that's me because that's incredible. Uh, I played there's Hit and Run actually... last summer because I'm a PS2. Oh man, I wish I had a copy. There's a guy on YouTube that posted a video where he rebuilt the map. From Hit and Run. It is mm-hmm. basically a remastered version. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't have a PC, so no, I haven't seen it either. Like I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a copy out there of somebody that has That's, Yeah, Run. it's not even a game necessarily, but it's just a video where he goes through the basically a game, quote unquote, that he built of Springfield and in, in its entirety mm-hmm. of like the Hit and Run map. Um so it's not like playable per se, but you see him uh in this remastered map sort of sort of play it. So that that's a fun video. But yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I'll go around once once more, and then uh, I'll do one more, and then I'll get to Jonathan. Um, I 
I've said this before, but Rick and Morty um, just gets so far up its own ass, like halfway through season three, that I can't enjoy season four at all. I'm not excited for the return. I don't know that I'll watch season five whenever it comes out. Um, so I would say Rick and Morty is better to watch seasons one through like the ha- first half of season three. At least get to the Vat of Acid episode, because that's maybe the best episode they've ever come out with. But um, seasons one and two are just great. Um, and three is a mixture of seasons one and two and season four. And um, I didn't like season four at all. Um, And like I said, I don't think I'll be seeing season five because I'm the minority there. I know lots of people are loving where where it's going. And so I just feel like they're only going to get more up their own ass. So um, yeah, Uh, Rick and Morty to me is a show that is better to watch part of than the whole. Jonathan, let's get to you. Um, Let's see. I'll start with uh, Heroes season one. This was, this uh, show was a phenomenon 10 12 years ago whenever it mm-hmm. came out probably closer to i think it was like 2007 so um it's been a minute um but nbc show um i think it lasted four seasons in total but season one is really all you ever want to watch um it was just this you know perfect puzzle box of a season um about these you know ordinary people discovering the fact that they had superpowers um and how each story intertwined and how it all came together at the, the end of the season. Um, you know, save the cheerleader, save the world was a, was a common tagline uh, back in season one. It was everywhere. Um, and then it felt like season two, three, and four really were just trying to recapture um, what made season one so special. And it, it was very unsuccessful. Now season two, uh, had the disadvantage of, of being sh- cut in half basically by the writer's strike. So right. maybe there's some world where that doesn't happen and, you know, the show goes on for years and the quality is the same. But um, really all you need of that show is season one because it was perfect in my estimation and everything else beyond that is, is forgettable. All right. That's good to know. I probably will eventually watch season one at one. And you're not the only person to say just season. Um, All right, let me go one more time, um, and that should be pretty square. Um, Just a bounce off of last week, I mentioned, just watch Jessica Jones season one. Um, Season two and three are pretty forgettable, but one is so good. Um, It's on Disney Plus now. Uh, Jessica Jones season one is uh, my favorite of the Netflix Marvel seasons. Um, And it's, it's just... If you haven't seen it, you really should. Um, especially because at this point, they're owned by Disney again, so it might be relevant. Jacob? Uh, I would mention Arrested Development as as one. Um, first three seasons that aired on Fox and the 2000s are hilarious, incredible. You know, that's, that's probably one of my favorite comedies of all time. It gets canceled. Uh, you know, that's another one that was before its time, really. Didn't catch on. And then it gets revived by Netflix in 2013 or whatever. And I don't know if you guys have seen season four, if you watch the show, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's odd in that they shoot it in a way, well, they couldn't shoot the cast together at the time because everybody had become, you know, megastars at that point. And everyone's shooting schedule is so uh, sort of separated that you have these episodes where it just follows one character. And I think the, the strength of Arrested Development is the ensemble when you've got Michael reacting to everyone else being completely idiotic and when you separate it up like that it's it just didn't work for me and they there's even an edited version of season four where they cut all of those together and it's a little more uh cohesive but i couldn't really get into it 
And then I don't think I've even seen season five. Like I was, I was going to say, I, I would edit yours to say, I liked season four. I mean, sure. It's a little different, but I think a lot of the jokes work and, um, you can tell that they, that they sat on jokes for 10 years that were always just like, Oh, if we ever got a season four, we would use this. And, um, or if, or if we ever got more seasons, we would have used this joke that we'd been sitting on. So, um, I liked season four. Season five is bad. Um, there's no defending season five. They actually got to shoot that one together, right? Yeah. Yep. Huh. It's just bad. And they go back to the original format. It's just, yeah. Mm. So, uh, but I, I like season four probably more than you, but I, I wouldn't fault you for saying, for, I don't fault you for writing down season four. Eh, I should probably give it another chance. I, I don't think I ever even finished the season four where it's, it's, uh, it's cut to cut differently, but um, that those first three seasons, man, just stand out as like, Peak maybe television. the best, yeah, maybe the best, one of the best sitcoms ever. So yeah, for sure. um, it's just like there's a dichotomy in my head of, between those two. Yeah, for sure. Jonathan, what you got? Um, I went obscure with my next Ooh. pick. Um, it's a show that debuted in 1995. Um, I okay. struggle to find people who have ever even heard of it, let alone watched it, um, but it was called Sliders. Um, it aired on Fox and it centered on four just regular individuals who um one of them is a scientist created this device uh that allowed them to travel between basically alternate earths um and in a day and age now where you know the mass public is is very used to multiverses be it you know in marvel or dc or whatever and alternate versions of people this was a show uh in the mid 90s that Every episode, hour-long program, every episode um, began with them traveling to a new Earth, and it was typically it was it was set in San Francisco, and it was typically an alternate history of America. Um, sometimes it was where you know Russia ruled, or what would have happened if X Y Z had never happened in our history, and so they would often run into you know, their doubles, their versions of themselves that lived on Earth that they're now interacting with, or sometimes um, they would be integral to, you know, affecting change on that world before, you know, this timer that they had that got them to that that Earth. Um, it expired, you know, by the end of the episode, obviously, so they had to move on to the next Earth. But while they were there, they, you know, typically had to get out of some situation or affect change in some way. Um, but it lasted, so it was on Fox for three seasons, was canceled, it was picked up by the Sci-Fi Channel for an, an additional two seasons, but everything after season one and two is, is pretty much garbage. Um, but it was such a high-concept original show at the time that I loved. It was often compared wrongly to Quantum Leap at the time, because Quantum Leap was a show that every episode he'd jump to a different time but this wasn't a show that sliders wasn't a show that dealt with time travel it was a it was always the same time it was just a different or things were, were different um really high concept at the time again i i think it would be much more easily digested by people today um because we just were so used to understanding concepts of multiverses and and alternate you know, realities and stuff. Um, but it was a show that I loved. And so I don't even know that it streams anywhere. I have it on DVD, but if you ever stumble across it in any format, um, the first two seasons, I would highly, highly recommend. Uh, it's on Peacock. Okay. 
Awesome. Because nice. yeah. I looked it up to, nice. to see. Because I'd never heard of it. Yeah. Like you said. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of the four uh, main characters is um, John Reese Davies, uh, Gimli from Lord of the Rings. Um, mm-hmm. And Jerry O'Connell, he's he's one of the, the, the stars. But like I said, I, I ahead of its time, I think, is, is a good description of it. Um, I think it would have a much... Uh, bigger audience today than it did back then, um, but really, really excellent show. Nice. Um, I will say Twenty Four, another Fox show, um, is better if you just watch seasons one through five. Um, and five has a has a um, finale that, again, it's not happy, but it's kind of the nature of the way they keep on setting up Jack Bauer to not have a happy ending. He's always meant to be a martyr for his country, um, and so. Season five is the firm, like, to me, that's the best season. And um, six, seven, and eight, and the revival are... Six six and eight are just okay. Seven is moderately good. And I liked the revival season a good amount. Um, but it's not worth watching six, seven, and eight to watch the 24 Live Another Day. Um, and I didn't see the spinoff, um, the 24 Legacy, and I don't plan on it. And it never got picked up for a second season. So, um you should watch 24. You should just watch seasons one through five and then stop because the quality significantly dips. Uh, nice. So Jacob, uh, we already mentioned the office, but I'll go into a little more depth on my, my feelings on that. Um, I'd say like season one to six is, is six the season that Michael leaves. Is that right? Or seven? He leaves, he leaves in seven. In, yeah, in seven. But not at the end of the, like it's, they it's made like a the really seven, conscious yeah. decision to say the show is an ending with him leaving. So they his his departure was like halfway through season seven or something. It was very odd. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so I might extend that to I would you know maybe not the exact episode when Michael leaves, but uh, around then I don't know. At season eight and nine for me, just uh, is that right? There's two seasons after. Yep. Correct. Eight and nine. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they're always trying to, I don't know, maybe try to replace him with like a Robert California or a Will Ferrell or whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. I like Robert California, okay, uh, the James Spader character, but to me it just never captured that magic again afterwards. You know, you've got some weird character choices, I think, in, in those last two seasons, and you introduce some new characters that are kind of annoying, honestly. And yeah, you know, and some people might say that season one is hard to watch, I like a lot of those episodes myself, especially uh, where they the one where they play basketball. Is that season one? Yeah. I think okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's what I would say. Uh, pretty much season one to season seven ish, which is I guess most of the show, which kind of maybe defeats the purpose of this question. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I put I'll just mention this one really quickly because I don't have much to say about it. I put Friends down mostly because I don't really like Friends, mm-hmm. but there's a couple, you know. There's a couple episodes from like the first few seasons uh, that I enjoyed, but yeah, cool. that's that's pretty much all I got. All right, um, I'll let you wrap things up, Jonathan. Uh, I will just say that 70s show. You should only watch episodes that have Eric Foreman in it. You should not watch any of them. Oh that yeah, don't have him in it. that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, and it's and it's kind of are rough. well, it's but he's still kind of staggered in there every now and then. 
Um, like, I think he's back for the final. Like, I think he goes away for two seasons and then comes back for one or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but you should only watch episodes that have Eric Foreman in it. Um, all right, Jonathan, wrap us up. Uh, my last one, I'll actually kind of compare to what uh, Jacob was saying about The Office. You know, where, whereas The Office definitely fell off for the couple of seasons without Michael. I think they absolutely stuck the landing with the finale. I love the the finale and it overall helps with the rewatchability of the series of as a whole because of how well how how well they handled the ending of it. But for me, um how I met your mother and I know Aaron you're a staunch defender of the finale of that mm-hmm. show. But I I loved I loved that entire series right up until the last entire season. Um, the last entire season, for those of you who aren't familiar, takes place over the course of like 48 hours or something. So every mm-hmm. episode is one hour in real time, more or less, at a wedding. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, over, over the course of like a wedding weekend. Um, so every the, at the start of every episode in the last season, there, there's even a... I think there's like a timer or something saying which hour you're now in, moving closer and closer to the wedding ceremony. Um, But it was just such a departure from everything that I had enjoyed about the show up until that point. Um, And for me, whereas I feel like the, the, the office finale really kind of salvaged and saved the rewatchability of the series as a whole, the ending of How I Met Your Mother really kind of wrecked it for me. Um, that, that, that last season as a whole, but then the, 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 the ending of the show where, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, but you know, he's, he's, he's telling this story, he's recounting the story to his kids. I mean, objectionably were too young to really have had much of a relationship with their mother who is now passed away. Um, so he's telling them this long, drawn-out story, and then they kind of laugh it off as like, mom wasn't even really in this story, and you just wanted to talk about this person that you're into now and, and wanting to get our okay and going to, to be with her, which I get all of that, but when you really stop to think about it, if these kids, if their mother had passed away when they were too young to have formed many memories with her, and then they sit down with their dad really wanting to hear stories about their mom, and he used the opportunity to basically say how he's been madly in love with this other person, um, like it, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and so for me, the last season and especially the finale, you know, when, when How I Met Your Mother, I, I never actively put it on myself, but times I come across it on television, I don't really stop to even watch it, even though I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed uh, everything about the seasons that came before the last. Um, knowing where all of it goes and how it's all wrapped up just kind of wrecked it for me. Um, I, I, I haven't even explored, even though I've heard good things, I haven't explored How I Met Your Father um, on who, but yeah, it just, it, it completely changed the motivation of of a lot of the characters on the show. Um, so I would say super funny. Um, and the way they jump around and, and manipulate time in the show, um, um, telling different of, you know, events out of sequence was at the time, I think really unique and creative and fun. Um, so I would say, you know, huge recommend how I met your mother until you get to the last season. Just, just bow out in my opinion. Right. I respect your opinion um, and disagree with you. So um. (laughs) fair, fair. (laughs) Yeah. 
uh, we can still be friends and disagree. <laughs> There's a couple shows that we think are better to watch part of rather than the whole. And, uh, you know, I think I think that there's only the one that I disagree with. So, um, you know, I think we uh, I think we did pretty well there then. Um, so that just leaves the spinoff. So, uh, Jacob, let's start with you. What is that one thing in any year of pop culture that you're really wanting to tell everybody that they should check out or they should stay away from? All right. Yeah, I wanted to talk about a new movie on Netflix. Uh, this is the latest release from uh, Richard Linklater uh, called Apollo Ten and a Half, A Space Age Childhood. Um, now, this is a... We were talking about uh, animation styles earlier. This is a really interesting uh, and crisp and fresh animation style. Um, he's using the rotoscoping technique in this film that he uh, that Linklater used in his previous films, A Skinner Darkly and, and Waking Life, um, to where basically, you, from what I understand, you shoot live action and um, animate over it um, to give it a sort of a different look. Um, but this takes place in uh, Houston. Shout out, Jonathan. Uh, 1969. Uh, there's a, uh, a kid who um, you're kind of just dropped into his life. You don't really know much about him. Um, but he's selected by this uh, by NASA to um, man a spacecraft that they happen to build too small for a human man. The spacecraft will only fit a child. Um, so the, the premise there is a little, I guess you would say absurd. I don't know if NASA would ever actually spend a, send a child to space, but it's fun. Um, so you've got that story going on and you sort of see this kid training, but the, the part I really enjoyed about this movie is the nostalgia of it. Now I'm, I'm a younger guy, obviously I wasn't uh, around in 1969. I, I have a familiarity with it though. And this movie just drenches you in everything that was happening it you show it shows uh, you know kids getting spanked in school and sort of all the little uh, details of, of growing up in the '60s. It goes way into depth into like what this kid's watching at the time, and it does a great montage of that. What he's listening to, sort of just what it was like to be a kid in 1969, and specifically in Houston, to where you know he says at one point pretty much every adult he knew worked for NASA, and you know you're you have this fascination. Apollo 11 is coming up in, in, in his time. Um, I believe in the events of the movie, he um, goes up there before the events of, of Apollo 11. So you get to sort of see his perspective of that watching the moon landing and um, you know, when he's already been there and uh, just his family dynamics. And uh, you've got a uh, Jack Black narrating. He's uh, the, the, the kid grown up and sort of, Tells it from a, you know, present tense point of view. Um, you've got Glenn Powell and uh, Zach Levi um, playing the two NASA officials who um, sort of shepherd him through this. Uh, they're, they're great, as always. Um, the kid, I believe, is a relatively unknown. There's not a, a lot of other huge names. Um, but yeah, as soon as I heard about this, I saw the trailer. I was really excited. I'm a really big Linklater fan. Um, yeah, and it's on Netflix right now. Apollo 10 and a half. Nice. Nice. What you got, Jonathan? I would like to point people to uh, Invincible, season one. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, how to describe this show? It's an animated series. It's based on a comic book uh, created uh, by Robert Kern, the creator of The Walking Dead. Um, the comic book, I believe, came out early 2000s. Um, Stephen Yun from also Walking Dead fame. He's uh, the main character, titular character, Invincible. His fa- he's a superhero. His father um, is kind of the most famous. All right. 
Yeah, I'd like to point people to Invincible. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's a animated superhero show. It's based on a comic book by Robert Kirkman, who also created The Walking Dead. And it's, I believe the first season only had eight episodes. It's since been picked up for seasons two and three. Um, no kind of timeline on, on when those seasons will drop. But um, I will say about, so it stars as the titular character, Invincible Superhero, uh, Stephen Young. He's he played Glenn on The Walking Dead. Um, his father is a character, basically an analog of like a Superman um, his name is Omni-Man, and he's voiced by J.K. Simmons, and Sandra O oh, um, is his wife and Invincible's mom, and it's it's just an incredible, incredible show, very visceral. I will say it's incredibly graphic. Um, you know, mm -hmm. when you picture what superheroes, what the strongest, fastest people with powers in the world could actually do to someone when they're fighting like that show has this in spades um and i will say about the first episode the first episode kind of assembles a team of superheroes um who are very very clear you could say ripoffs of dc justice league characters and so throughout the episode you might be thinking like where is this going why is this uh you know, a ripoff of um, something DC related, but I promise you the, the closing minutes of episode one will have you hooked. It takes a turn and does a thing that you'd never see coming. Um, and then from there on, it, you're, you're hooked. Um, like I said, eight episodes, they are about an hour each. So it's not a huge commitment, but um, just a really, really incredible show. And you know, you have plenty of time to catch up before season two and three. Sweet. Um, I'm going to double down on everything everywhere all at once. Um, cause, uh, there was a bonus review episode released at this point last week. Um, it's, it's so good guys. Uh, I won't go too into it because you can, you either have already listened to that or you can, um, but please go see this movie. Let, know as little about it as you can going into it. Um, be prepared to laugh, be prepared to get emotional, be prepared to um, experience some really unique and um, creative uh, action sequences, kung fu sequences specifically, um, and just have a blast. Bring a friend, um, should, be, should be a great time. I went um, on Saturday to see this with Jake, and then we recorded a review on Sunday and it went live. Um, and I'm taking my wife tonight. Um, again, this is Tuesday, so like, I normally don't see movies this quick unless they're like, you're like Avengers Infinity War and game. I both saw like several times, like pretty quickly and the first Avengers as well. But like, I typically don't do this, but like I saw it with Jake and I was like, I have to show my wife and a friend was going to come with us that he just couldn't make Saturday work. So he's going to see it as well with us. So, uh, everything everywhere all at once exclusively in theaters. I think it comes out in Blu-ray at the end of next month. Cause it'll have a quick turnaround. Um, go check out this movie. It is that good. It is currently the highest rated movie on Letterboxd. It is that good. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I'm seriously That's... like, you might, you might think I'm overhyping this movie, but I, I promise you, like I thought that I was going to feel this movie was overhyped. And I walked in and I was like, it, the hype is real. Like there, I follow out of everybody I follow on Letterboxd that has seen it. Probably. Um, there's only two people. I know three people that have given it less than a fo full five star rating. Two of them were four and a half stars. The other one was a four. So the hype is real, guys. Nice. <laughs> and that's, 
and that's probably like 20 people yeah. 20 total. so like everybody's loving this movie i'm certainly certainly part of it i can't wait to see it again uh in about three hours so nice fantastic yeah so that's check it great. out as soon as you possibly can uh before i think i'm gonna try to i think i'm gonna try to see it tonight yeah, I, i've so heard good. so much hype about it and, and now yeah one more account of it uh yeah it's like definitely sounds like the hype is real for sure it is it is so real it's so good well um thank you guys for joining i had a blast talking with you guys and getting to know you um yeah really appreciate having you guys on thanks for your time thank you it was a blast yeah thanks sure. thank Thanks to listeners for sticking with us this through this time. I uh, hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, reminder that uh, we already plugged all their stuff. It'll be in the show notes. Um, so if you guys want to follow these guys on uh, Twitter, in- Instagram, Letterboxd, wherever they put, um, you can either rewind or check the show notes, um, and we'll have some of that stuff plugged. You can follow me on Twitter at Schweitcastle or Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. Um, and if you want to contact the show, you can do... Uh, that via um, writer's room at sifpop.com send some feedback or we would love to explore your question during the B plot so if you have something that you want us to talk about send it in there we would love to do that but uh, that's a wrap so quick reminder sifpop writer's room is part of the studio DNA network there's other shows you could check out at studiodna.media they're all pretty great um, and if you want to write for sifpop.com like these guys then um, you can um, email us writer's room at sifpop.com and we'll get you plugged in on that and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts please leave us a review really helps out the show uh, on next week's show. I have Robert on the show. We're doing a goats episode. So we're talking about last temptation of Christ. Um, so that should be a really good episode. Um, I, I imagine um, uh, I haven't seen the show, but I, or the movie, but I'm really excited to, to watch it and discuss it. It feels like one of those that you watch and then you have to discuss from, from what I know about it. And next month uh, for the TV catch-up, I have Austin and Kristen to catch up on some more TV. Um, hopefully some Moon Knight thoughts. Hopefully some better MacGruber thoughts. Um, all that stuff. So we'll see you back uh, next week when I talk with Robert.